0: Hello, and welcome to Up To It, Down To It, Episode 4. I am your host, Kamran Schuster, and with me is Ty Robertson. Hello, I'm Tyler Robertson. I'm a VFX artist from Atlanta, Georgia.
1: Roman Fruhan. Thanks, Comron. Hi, I'm <laughs> Roman Fruhan with The Local Weather.
0: And
2: Miles Dill. Hey, guys, I'm a lunatic in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. But find me on Twitter, count of Best five minutes you ever waste.
0: Yes, and this is our fourth episode. I think our last one was in October for Halloween. <laughs> I think yeah. that was a while ago.
1: But this is our Christmas episode. Yeah,
0: yeah this is our our Christmas New Year spectacular <laughs> turkey-filled extravaganza, all in one. Uh Guys, it's been just a little bit of time, but of course we always talk to each other anyway. This episode though, we we each have a we always have a topic. This show has a topic every time, and it's a specific topic we'll go into. This time, it's going to be, if we could take any movie and just change it, remake it the way we want it to be, make it either improved, or maybe it's a good movie, and we just want to change some things about it, whatever. Uh, We're going through that, and guys, I don't know who wants to go first here, but we can also, first off, list off our movies and just see what our lists are like.
3: I think that's a good idea. Just say what our... What some we were thinking of were, and then what are our, our big
0: number one that we'd like to
3: change? Yeah, I'm is, down then with we
0: that. Can... Yeah. All right, Cameron, you're the host. Go first. Okay. <laughs> list them all. So uh, I'm actually so for mine, I'm probably going to be picking three as one, but I'll, I'll list all three. Uh, the Hobbit trilogy. So the Unexpected Journey, uh, the Desolation of Smaug, and the Battle of Five Armies. Uh, another film I would add into it is uh, not into that. Trilogy, but another film on my list is uh The Dark Knight Rises. And I think the fifth one I had was uh actually another Batman film, Batman v Superman. But I would rather do uh the Hobbit
1: trilogy for myself. That's a difficult you'll, task, dude.
0: You'll never guess what
3: uh <laughs> what my number one is. <clears throat> on. Oh no, Ty. Let's see let's hear your list now uh it's i'll go ahead and spoil it it's exactly the same as the, the hobby oh really i thought you were doing, I you were doing well, jurassic world yeah i thought it was Jurassic. well okay this is what happened i should explain my the my list of ones i was considering were um prometheus uh jurassic world uh godzilla 2014 uh and aragon um mm. uh, and then today just this morning uh i woke up and I was talking to Alessandra, and she's like, I just really want to watch Lord of the Rings. I'm feeling it today. I just really got to watch Lord of the Rings. I was like, all right, let's do it. So we're watching Lord of the Rings, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, and Two Towers. We're going to finish it off tomorrow. But um, I just got the deepest loathing for The Hobbit watching those movies today, realizing like how far they came from like the original just pure, beautiful intention of you know, how well-adapted uh, and and beautifully beautifully shot and directed, and uh, the visual effects and the practical effects. everything about Lord of the Rings is so great, and it's aged so well. And then I went and watched some clips from The Hobbit and just felt a deep loathing. <laughs> it's like this <laughs> is so far from the tone and the feel of and you know the beauty of Lord of the Rings and, and I guess I'm gonna kind of tag team this one with a comrade or or talk about you know Jurassic world, which was gonna be my
1: pick as uh... you know, I've got a Jurassic Park poster literally right behind me you know um, uh this is my favorite movie you know all the uh but, um, all the horse girls are gonna be real sad you didn't do aragon oh my gosh i loved
3: <laughs> i loved that book series is that the one with the uh, Sean Connery dragon
1: no that's that's no. is that dragon heart yeah that's dragon uh, that <laughs> movie is sick okay i don't give a <laughs> shit what
0: anyone says
3: wait, wait. yeah Arag- aragon just is it's bleh, i could is get that it, dragons yeah. but it's yeah it's it's true. Okay. It's, it, it's just so hor- like the, the the guys who 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 uh, wrote and directed or whatever, I don't know who made that movie, but it, they very clearly did not read more than the first book because uh long story short, there's some stuff that they, they chose to cut from the movie because they deemed it irrelevant and it's like some of the most relevant stuff to creating more movies like there's scenes in the book that seem minor when you read them in the first book and then they turn into a huge plot thing that spans the entire series and they were like yeah this isn't really all that important i don't understand why the scenes in this book we're, we're not going to put it in the movie and then when it came time they're like we're making this a movie series they were like oh crap like we literally can't do it <laughs> We cut the important stuff that we just. They literally I'm, just read. The I'm
1: also stuff. surprised you didn't do Ender's Game.
3: Oh, I haven't. I have not watched Ender's Game. Oh, okay. I love the book yeah. too much. It it hurts me to see that movie exist. Um, very unfortunate. But yeah, all right. Um, I'll I'll chime in with with uh The Hobbit, uh specifically Desolation of Smaug, which I feel like is the one that you can rip on the most as far as like derailing what those movies could have been. Yeah, and, it's because of that um, little triangle. But we'll get well, yeah yeah we'll, we'll talk it, more we'll about the Hobbit in a sec. Roman, what's your? Then I'll talk about Jurassic World as okay, well. Okay, so um, Roman, what's your list? <clears throat> yeah.
1: I originally wrote a list of five movies and really was going to go in hard on one of them, but I watched a movie today and I just had to change it to this film that I saw today. So the films that I <clears throat> originally had, I had Alien Three, but <laughs> Alien Three. I mean we've I mean, there are comic books that fix it. Like, I mean, and and like, I mean, Neil Blom. That was more Fox's fault than David Fincher, though, right? Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. David Fincher did not really want anything to do with it. The comics, yeah, they didn't really help, but they were better. And I mean, Neil Blomkamp's idea was definitely a lot more thought out than Alien 3. I had um, a movie called Demons 2, which was the... uh, sequel to a a really kick-ass 80s movie called Demons or Demoni. And uh, basically the end of Demons, for anyone who hasn't seen it, like they go outside and the entire world is taken over by zombies, demons, whatever, and it's playing like sax and heavy metal music. And they get picked up by just this family in a Jeep. And they're just like, we're going out west. And they've all just like got guns. And it's like, okay, we'll come with you and become like kick-ass demon hunters. Then the sequel is like the first movie didn't even happen. It's just a bunch of people in an apartment complex having a birthday party and then demons happen. Like, I mean, you could have had this whole, like, apocalypse thing, but forget that. Then I wanted to do Judge Dread, the Stallone one, because I like the goofiness of the Stallone Judge Dread, but I also like the most, I guess, the perfectness of the Carl Urban Dread. Mm. So... <clears throat> I kinda just wanted to mash those together. But my real pick was going to be Death Race two thousand. Oh. Because the remakes, the actual remakes, butchered that movie to death and like simplified yeah. it to a point where it wasn't even like the commentary that was Death Race. There were some cool scenes in the remake, but I don't know. Death Race two thousand is one of the best, schlockiest piece of shit great movies. And it's only 60 minutes long. So it's a tragedy.
2: So this is kind of completely random. But mm-hmm. I just had this thought. So like the early 2000s, they actually had some really good like death sport, blood sport type of action flicks. Like they had yeah. humor They had The Condemned. They had the Death Race remake. They and had the Fortress.
1: Think, Fortress.
2: <laughs> like, like one thing I think is kind of wild is like if I was a producer... I wouldn't even have named Death Race like Death Race. Like Jason Statham in that type of action movie would have had legs without mm-hmm. the name. Like, mm-hmm. that's why I'm like, um, it, it's, I wish they had more confidence because like I could watch a, a Jason Statham Death Sport trilogy. <laughs> that would be wicked.
1: Yeah, all all the original Death Race needed was it needed a longer, it needed a longer race, more cars, more it just needed like quadruple everything, but because it was such a low budget, we didn't also, really get
2: it. I misunderstood. I forgot two thousand. Is two thousand the sequel, or is that the original? No,
1: Death Race two thousand is the original.
2: Okay, okay, okay. Cool, cool.
1: I was just making sure because I, I
2: was, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with the franchise. I've seen the oh, original dude. and I absolutely loved it. And I've seen yeah. the remake, but I didn't know if there were more in the series that um. It's it's.
1: It's satire at its greatest level, but I changed it today when I sat down and watched Walt Disney's The Black Hole.
3: What? Oh my <clears throat> god! Wait, what is that? What? What a pick! Uh,
1: Walt Disney's The Black Hole was Disney's first PG-rated film. It actually got pulled from theaters because angry moms were protesting outside. It was like, my kids are not going to watch that filth. It's PG. But it's basically if Disney did Interstellar back in 1979 what? they were basically just trying to cash in on Star Wars. Was it live action? Yeah, it was live action. It How had like I Anthony heard of this. It had Anthony Perkins from Psycho, it had Ernest Borgnine in it. It had Slim Pickens as like an adorable robot. Oh. But it was like I could see why this film was not rated G. It was kind of terrifying
3: yeah I saw the ending of that movie um out of context. <laughs>
1: it's weird.
3: <laughs> it's it's actually terrifying. Like, it's yeah. super strange for a, a film that's a sci-fi film it has this very strong like spiritual aspect oh, that comes yeah. in at the very end and it's I won't spoil it because you're yeah, gonna talk I'm about gonna it, spoil but, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want you to be able to spoil. It. but yeah, I saw it on TV and I was like, what is happening? This is like, actually freaking me out it feels like a fever dream yeah. and uh, my dad walked in and he's like oh you're watching the black hole and I was like what is this he's like it's a Disney film I was yeah, like it's a serious? Disney film. this feels like I'm having a nightmare like yeah
1: in my notes I wrote the black hole slash basically event horizon so that's uh yeah, that's bit. that's my pick sorry sorry for all of that explanation
3: no no that's a great yeah. yeah
1: definitely <laughs> All right,
0: Miles,
2: we need to know your Uh, list. Okay, Um, um, this is a hit piece. So if anybody's listening to this, I'm going to have some haters come out the woodwork. But to be honest, a movie I quite disliked when I saw. And then I disliked it even more when I saw the popular reactions to it because I realized that I'm in the minority. (laughs) But it was Blade Runner 2049. I didn't like that movie at all. Oh, I absolutely
1: agree. 100% freaking agree.
2: I, I was shocked that it was it's like regarded as like this modern classic and this like worthy successor. and to be honest, I, I feel like it's one of those examples of like a sequel being so gassed up with such a star-studded great production team that I feel like people saw it and they just weren't ready in their hearts to admit that was not what they wanted, so they just doubled down or or you know what that's going too far into it, or to be honest people liked the original blade runner for completely different reasons than I liked it. And, mm. and I'll give these guys, uh, I'll throw them a bone here. I'll throw them a bone because I'm actually one guy who likes the theatrical cut of the original blade runner. Like I actually like it. Oh. And, um, mm. that, that's like an insane opinion to have, but I can explain it as we, we go through the chat. But in terms of like, uh, other movies to, to add to that list so i guess people get a, a better sense of my uh my sensibilities i would add pacific uprising to that list i would add alien 3 to that list but not mm-hmm. not in a, like alien 3 is a flawed project and I actually do enjoy it despite yeah it's
1: it, still entertaining it's still um, entertaining.
2: however i i see it as in the same way i also list terminator genesis in there as well where it, it's just like it was bad enough to kill a very good franchise or, or turn a good franchise into like mediocre pulp. And yes, that I think is is like a movie can survive a bad sequel, but like a certain type of sequel you don't want because then it, it's just in the gutter forever. And I think Alien 3 was that type of movie. Mm-hmm. And um, to be quite candid, uh, I'm pretty lenient with bad movies, I like to think. Uh, My wrath really gets focused on bad video games. Mm. Uh, um, <laughs> usually get spared, but I think the last kind of icing on the cake that I think people might be like, What is wrong with this guy with in terms of like terrible movies? Is you know what? Actually, probably Prometheus. I, I wanted to keep it outside of like the alien franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, no, no, not Prometheus. You know, I, as much as I don't like that movie, I actually defend it on certain points. Alien Covenant was the one I was thinking of. I I can't believe that's the abomination. Yeah, that Alien Covenant is like it makes Alien Resurrection look like an inspired, quirky masterpiece.
1: (laughs) No, it seriously (laughs) did. Like, I mean, that's that's how I felt. the, The new Star Wars trilogy actually made me grow in appreciation for the prequels because they, at least yeah, they were yeah. creative you had, we had a, I,
2: the discussion on the sequels but yeah. like that was another one i was going to pick was the star wars sequel. I that's a, I that's, a whole, that's a whole that's a whole episode
0: that's a whole episode guys i knew, I knew that's, that's what would happen we'll get to that eventually years. i think we'll get to that this
1: year i I, like. I think that i need to state something real quick yeah none of the films that i mentioned and i'm sure this is for all of you I consider bad films I actually like all of the films I just listed even alien 3 I like watching it I feel disappointed after every time I watch it but I still like it um, yeah all of a film needs to be remade if it has the potential and it just didn't get there if the yeah. if the universe is tight and you can do something with it I think I think that you know garners a remake but if the film is bad, then it doesn't deserve a remake. I don't think people should be yeah. remaking all of these good films. I think we need to remake films with the potential to be better.
3: Well, in this whole thing, you know, uh, I should say, the, the reason that Prometheus is on my list and, and not um, Alien Covenant, there was a actually a podcast episode of Adam Savage's podcast uh, that he does on Tested, where he was talking about this exact topic and did like a whole thing where he spent the whole podcast episode talking about how he would remake prometheus because it's like so almost great like it's it's got so many ideas that are fantastic it's just not quite the way most people wanted to see those ideas like put on screen um and you know same with me like i i love watching prometheus visually it's like one of my favorite movies um but, yeah, like, writing-wise and how it fits in the Alien universe, it, like, really hurts me. And it's, like, yeah, that's something that I would just be like, I could remake this with just a few tweaks. Like, it's so
0: close, just not quite there. Plus, yeah, I would, it's, it, I'd quickly say, like, when it comes to, like, at least Prometheus and Alien Covenant, you kind of see it as a sick tree. And if you try to just fix Alien Covenant, that's just, like, kind of fixing the branches. Whereas if you go for Prometheus, you're, like, kind of going in at the yeah, root. It's, like the, and like, it's the starting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... See I think I think if I added one more film, it would have been Trolls One, so it better match Trolls Two. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh, nice. <laughs> but
3: um, all right, Wonderful. so each of us we like cho- Trolls Trolls Two doesn't cease to exist. Yeah, <laughs> like you're just remaking please, the
1: Please, tw- <laughs> y'all are using the plural. It's oh, sorry, Troll sorry, Troll, Trolls Troll
0: Two, yeah, Trolls Troll Troll. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> I'm
1: choosing the <laughs> Hobbit trilogy.
0: Bottom. Ty, you're choosing Jurassic World, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about Jurassic World, but I I would
3: love to chart okay. since I literally just rewatched it. Oh no, we'll World get
0: in today. that way. We have like four things to have, at least starting off. Yeah, yeah. Roman, you said I've got uh, plenty to talk about with Jurassic World too. Definitely. And then Roman, you said Event Horizon, right?
1: Uh no, the black hole. Black hole, said. gotcha, gotcha. But I will and, be talking about Event Horizon a lot.
3: Okay. As it oh got gotcha. to the black hole.
0: And Miles, you said Blade Runner. Twenty
2: forty nine yeah, was Yeah, Blade pick? Runner's gonna be my pick. Okay.
3: This one's going to be funny because I, I actually like Blade Runner 2049 like genuinely. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I enjoyed just enjoy it. it. And I'm I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum where I like original Blade Runner, but I might like 2049 better. <laughs> I know that's kind of like sacrilege for a lot of people. I think original Blade Runner's okay.
2: It's no, good. Uh, I, think I like it on a visual pie, level, so the, the sequel's better regarded than the original now. Like people people think like if you go in art movies or any mainstream taste sort of thing. People are like, oh, it's a rare time where the sequel was better than the original. Like that—that's what was so baffling to me because, like, I we couldn't wait to get on my phone to be like, "Hmm, I didn't like this movie, and neither did anyone else." And then, like, I got on and like the <laughs> eyes popping out of my head. Like, I felt like Joker. I felt like knocking everything off my desk. Like, that's not funny. Like, Harley <laughs> <laughs> Quinn. <laughs> I mean, like, I was like shocked absolutely (laughs) shocked when i saw the the reception to it okay so how about this this is
3: this might even make things more interesting when i first saw it i really didn't care for it that much and it wasn't until i watched it like with like a a year removed from its release having not really thought about it that much and watched it like a couple more times that i was like yeah i think i actually like this um and it's weird because i think i did it removed from a lot of opinions Mm. um and so I, I'm really curious. Like, I'm not upset that you don't like it because it's like, it's really divisive. You either love it or hate it. I, I've, I've not met anybody who didn't have a strong opinion about it. So I really want to hear. If you're okay with just starting on that yeah, one. Yeah, like, we we're already in it, it
0: seems like. I, I'll <laughs> yeah. also say it's funny. I actually, I own 2049, but I don't own the original. But that's also because, I, I'll, the reason is also because I've been like, kind of, I haven't really looked for it. But I'm I'd rather get a very... You know, like prestige format of the original, like you know, like nice collector's style, know, whatever for it. Yeah.
3: You want to know something funny? I've also, by the way, I got a new movie shelf. Oh, um, I saw it. I'm I have. You. I have a new. Thank room. you. I have. Yes. <laughs> you do. I have. Uh, I have twenty forty nine on Blu Ray, and I have the original uh, director's cut on VHS because I like to fall asleep to it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> huh? That's Ed, that's tie. valid. That's valid, it's a it, comfy movie. Just have the soundtrack
3: playing? I, just like, I literally do. I put it, it's it's a comfy movie. There's so many like nice quiet parts and I just put it on at my little CRT in my bedroom and my VHS player and I fall asleep to it like a lot to the point that it's like worn out. The opening
0: like 30 minutes of the movie are just like bff, like
3: constantly <laughs> skipping and like
0: jittering. In your mind, You oh, when you're going oh, to man. sleep, you just have like a Japanese woman eating the little snack from the TV.
1: She, wasn't <laughs> yeah. she drinking a Coke?
0: Was it a Coke? I think she was. Okay,
3: whatever it was. Anyways, I'll let Miles take it away. Yeah,
2: go for it, Miles. Okay, so so my thing that I've actually become... like It's weird. I actually got this from radical... Cra- actually, I don't want to call them crazy because maybe they're they're quite calculating. But there's a, <laughs> a sect on Twitter that is like obsessed with the concept of vitality. And that's something that I've wanted to bring to my art. It's something I think a lot about where... You know there's certain content that I feel like is is like a rush of life to watch. Like even if it's bad, it's just so got so much life energy and soul in it that it's it's exciting to watch. And and an example would be like George Lucas's prequels. Like they, they just have so much soul in them that it, it's exciting to watch a guy spaz out like that on screen. So one thing that I saw with um like the original Blade Runner And uh, I'll I'll open with a little context so people understand the angle I'm coming from. When I watched Blade Runner, I actually watched the theatrical cut first, and people were making fun of like the the voiceovers like phoned in from Harrison Ford. But because I was like I don't know just just my disposition, I interpreted as Harrison Ford's like this exhausted detective, and like his commentary just like fit the universe that he's in, like, he's, like, sick of his job. He's tired. It's, like, this crowded city. You don't, it doesn't seem like anyone gets any privacy in this world. Uh, his job's tiresome and repetitive. It's it's brutal and grim. So, like, it, it was, like, the, I loved the commentary. I was, like, shocked to hear that people, once they realized, I guess, the production context of the commentary came to dislike it. But to me, it, like, had sold the world to me. And then visually, I think Blade Runner has like all these incredible allusions to a greater world, like the, the streets, despite the city being like so hostile, it seems to pedestrians with these like towering skyscrapers where you could get killed by an air conditioning unit if it fell off. But there's the streets are chock full of people. There's still tons of vehicles. Uh, people are eating at street diners, which I'm sure whether you get food poisoning, just looking at. Like, dude, Corona seems like it developed in the wet markets of these streets. Like, it's like just <laughs> insane, yeah. insanely dense world, right? So I, I loved it. And I, I watched the director's cut. I loved the director's cut too, for different reasons. And I, I go into Blade Runner 2049 because it had great trailers. It was awesome and really hyped to see it. It's my dad's favorite film. Like the the original Blade Runners, his favorite movie or, or one of them, at least. I think Cinema Paradisus is his favorite movie but he's super excited to see it. We sit down and like the movie starts. And the, the first thing I kind of whispered to my dad is I was like, is it just me or does the movie not have a soundtrack? Like, like, you know, Blade Runner has these great, like actually tangible scores. Like they go from om- ominous atmospheric to like the sexy saxophone in the background, but it's, it's not like a very notable score. But this one it's just like all ambient sounds and then it just has like the piano key at the end and and like that that was like a kind of like it was kind of weird to see a movie so silent and especially a sequel to a movie where the soundtrack is so is so like smoothly integrated and and then the other thing too is like the street scenes and it's just like everything is like so desolate and lifeless and it kind of woke me up to an argument i learned from tying it back to those original twitter heads where they're talking about vitality where it's like you know you have have these original works of art that are like brimming with life they try to show so much to the audience to sell this concept to you even if it's ridiculous they care so much about the audience taking them seriously they do all this work but then you know in the sequel it's like it's like modern art like everything's dusty and washed out, like all the lighting, there's no sharp shadows in in the new Blade Runner. Uh, I perhaps maybe I'm wrong. Jared Leto's scene, I think, has some sharp lighting, but I feel like that's an exception. Perhaps I could rewatch it. Maybe my memory's not been fair to the movie, but I, that's one thing that kind of spoke out to me was the lighting, the score. And then lastly, one thing that kind of irritated me is the original has so many avenues to interpretate interpret that that movie where you know is, is Deckard a replicant or not? You know, people say that the mystery's solved, but I I don't think people can like they just want that to be the ending. I don't think that's actually the ending. Um there's, you know, what's what's Deckard's attraction to the female replicant? Like sometimes it's just like sheer lust is what he does, what he wants. You know, in another way you could say that it was like the only way he could show that replicant like the concept of love because like, you know, people regard it as like a creepy scene, but I mean, I don't think romance in a world. So dystopian is going to be as clean as they'd want. So like, I just liked how there's just all these layers. It's almost like rain on a window. You never know how the drop's going to make a pattern on the window. Like it's different. Every time you see it rain, I feel like it's different every time I watch the original blade runner. And in contrast, the, the second one to me feels like a superhero movie where they're like the, this new replicant can run through walls and he's got oh, a yeah. badass gun and he's <clears throat> the coolest guy on the street and he's actually psycho like you. Like, I was <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. anyways I just felt that it was, uh, in summary, I felt like it was a very redundant retread of all the concepts that weren't unique to Blade Runner. Like, it's yeah. just like Bad man sci-fi, not Blade Runner. Like, I'm
1: gonna, I'm gonna yeah, back okay. you up on that. Um, I I thought I was taking crazy pills after I saw Blade Runner 2049 because I I didn't really like it. Even my parents who went and came and saw it with me, like, were just like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I mean, I was just like, I I there was something missing and I couldn't put my hand on it. I, I couldn't put my finger on. it. I couldn't put anything on. I couldn't put my brain on it. And um, it came down to the score. I think Hans Zimmer. Whenever I think Hans Zimmer did the original soundtrack to Blade Runner, it was that like whimsicality of mm-hmm. the future. I mean, everything looks dirty and shitty and whatever, but there's there was still that wonder to it. I mean, Ty was talking about falling asleep to the movie, falling asleep to Blade Runner on a VHS. Like, there's a reason why it's because it's so comfortable. You'll want to live in this world that looks absolutely terrible. It's yeah. seriously like yeah. watching the first Alien. It's just like the the whimsicality of being a shitty space trucker getting murdered by an alien. Like, but but Blade Runner 2049, I mean, Hans Zimmer's back. He's he's uh I know it was uh was it Vangelis did he do any
2: tracks on the,
1: Vangelis yeah, did, did the most first, of the original right? soundtrack, yeah. Then he was oh, wait, wait, who did the wait one one more?
2: So Hans Zimmer they they collaborated with Vangelis, I think. But but to be honest guys, I I kinda suspect that it, it was one of the first movies where like they say they collabed with the original guys, but well, they, in just reality, took, they, they just they took they just took musical cues Yeah, yeah Benjamin like, Wall sample. Wallfish? Benjamin <laughs> uh, Wallfish
0: is his name?
3: Well, yeah, v- Vangelis is responsible for the original, like, signature tracks, Yeah, what, I guess what you're going for. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's... and it, it, you know what? Something that's that's a good point. Um, Vangelis, if you listen to, like, other scores that he's worked on, it's not all, like, that synthy Blade Runner sounding stuff. Like, he, he clearly experiments with, like, a lot of styles and, like, a lot of weird instrument combinations. It, and that's true. I never it thought of that. It just like,
1: sounded, like, miserable. Like, I was just miserable through the whole movie. There was yeah, nothing the I was wondering about. There was, and and I don't, I don't agree with you on the theatrical cut, Miles, but but I do agree with fun. you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you totally. I love the I I love the concept of having like a voiceover, but but the one for the theatrical cut of Blade Runner just like makes me feel stupid. Like I mean, I'm like I I get it I get it movie I am a lowly human that goes to the movies and and buys popcorn I I, I will not understand the film unless you talk it at me, but oh, yeah, but that's, that's not, not that's not the problem I have with the theatrical cut the I I actually do prefer the final cut over everything because it it like it it takes the director's cut, which basically just took out the happy ending and the narration and makes it even more vague. Makes it feel like you are a detective and you have to piece everything together. And whenever movie night's over, you turn around and you start talking to everyone you watch the movie with. Like that's that's why I like the final cut the most and that's why that's why I think Blade Runner the original is the film that when you sit down with your friends and you watch it you know you'll start talking to them about it blade runner 2049 i didn't want to discuss jack shit with anyone after i watched that movie yeah same same yeah. Um, can can replicants it, have babies like, yeah, I, like I don't like, give a shit like what
2: <laughs> like, like the hope i was having was they they would just do like another blade runner adventure set yeah. in the universe where where it was like I would have loved a uh, movie where he's investigating if Harrison Ford is a replicant, because yeah. it like answers the mystery of the first movie. Mm-hmm. But um, I think in in pre production and in the marketing, they just up and said, "Oh, in in the second movie, Harrison Ford's character Deckard is a replicant." Like we're just answering that right up, and so you can go well,
3: exactly the did they
1: did they. No, they, just they, like they nodded to it and they, they almost answered it. it but they're not going to and i respect them for that but at the same time it did feel kind of like it did feel kind of like jj abrams fan service type stuff
3: yeah i will say that i like that uh i always have to remind myself with like especially with modern films that like the the people who cut together the trailer and the people who you know uh edited the movie and wrote and directed this completely different oh yeah teams studios so um yeah all the marketing with harrison ford like that wasn't you know i'm sure that wasn't anybody's preference uh when he shows up you know at the end of the movie (laughs) like he's he's not in most of it which i i i respect the restraint of you know not making him a um Uh, the the focal point for like 90 percent, and then the scene where they introduce him i i do love the i mean if if anything else the the way that fight scene is choreographed with uh the like the big room with all of the the janky oh like uh, the empty casino yeah the empty casino and like you know the uh elvis impersonator hologram flickering on and off and the lights you know running through like a cycle and every time they switch on and off he like moves around the room i was like that's cool i like that a lot i mean as far as the story beat that that accompanies you can feel however you want i i I like how they took the time to introduce him in a fun way um or reintroduce him but yeah i I can understand that like i don't know it's like either answer the question or like get out and do a different story i can understand that point of view
0: yeah because for me uh at least having it with ryan gosling as the lead i was enjoying him standalone as a character once they bring harrison ford into it it felt not necessarily like a whole thing of oh, we're back to the first movie. It, it felt more like a, a cool bonus. like you unlock just uh, extra features for your uh, for whatever you're watching or playing or whatever. But it still felt very much surrounding Gosling that it Harrison Ford didn't necessarily overshadow it like like Star Wars, I guess you could say uh, when they brought that back because it was like relatively at the same time, I think too and it felt different as well like if you look at him in like Force Awakens and everything else it does feel kind of like ah, I'm just here cuz uh, I just I uh, want to do the Indiana Jones movie whereas like this one he did feel a lot more i don't know into it i guess you could say like you got genuine like old Harrison Ford from like earlier times back in it which did feel good but otherwise like i said like i think having Ryan Gosling kind of separate it at least for me made it more of its own thing that I could enjoy without really thinking and comparing it to the original Blade Runner.
2: So that's more than just me. Yeah. Um so I like, what uh one scene, sorry, I started to jump right back in, but one scene that kind of comes to my mind is the depiction of violence. Cause what Roman said was really cool was like the whimsicality of the future. Um yeah, it's a shitty future, but you can't help but be like romanticize it where you're like, oh, you know. This is a future I would love to explore, if just for a day, just to see what it's like. Um, one thing I like is you, you get all these solid, like, uh, kind of hints at how strong a replicant is. Like Deckard, like, barely survives the fights he gets in with replicants. So by the final confrontation, it's got like true suspense. Like uh, Roy Batty is like a super predator on the loose like a true maniac and then that's oh yeah no, he's
0: howling like a wolf
2: yeah like it, it, that's what i think makes the um the final monologue so touching is because it's like if the the shark from jaws all of a sudden's like you know being a shark's kind of hard man like <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of tough well yeah it's you know you cut me a break here so i i really like you know enjoy how almost every thread in the original blade runner has like an emotional a nuanced interpretation of it where it's like, you know, Batty is, is like a combat model. So like, you don't even know if he's like, especially a well-trained replicant, like he could just be like, this could just be like a mook replicant going off the rails, or it could be like truly like a super soldier replicant. But like that, that sort of like him being that smart is like just so like, wow, like, you know, like it, it's a really good speech. But in in retrospect, that type of menace isn't translated to love. I think that's the character's name, Love in in the new one, the, the like secret agent replicant. Oh, like film. the hunter killer one that hunts Ryan Gosling the whole time. Yeah, because yeah. like they they demonstrate her as being like immensely strong, and and then she just got like this like pale like norm like no personality whatsoever, and like it, it's a, a cross can... between a mediocre execution and a missed opportunity that makes it so
1: unpalatable to me. I completely forgot about that character and I've seen the film yeah, right? twice. I, I completely thank you for jogging my memory about that. <laughs> Dude, I guess it's
0: wild. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's more like, because, uh, we're, you know, in the first one, they're hunting the, uh, replicants in this one, the replicants are the ones that are hunting and even the Rangosling, you find, you know, you find out he's a replicant later. But, like, the whole time you're thinking, like, oh, God, the humans are in trouble, the humans are in trouble. And these replicants are more so from the man instead of, like, escaping the man to be opposite. So I guess that's, like, more their choice to make them, um, I guess, monotone and very great. But at the same time, too, I guess you don't necessarily need to do that. But I guess they're... For the story, it kind of fits. Uh, I guess it's, I- like, it's hard to say, like, would you want them to fully, like, make a full... Personality hunter, uh, I guess kind of like, um, what's his face, uh, in, in glorious Bastards? Um, uh, uh, Landa or something
2: like that.
0: Uh, what the, the what was his name? The Jew, basically, the, oh, Jew the bear hunter. Jew. Oh, no, Jew no, hunter.
1: Hans Landa, Hans Landa, yeah,
0: yeah Hans Landa. Oh. Like, make it like that where it's like, oh, I'm still like very much in the world of like the, I'm obeying my superiors and stuff, but they gave me this personality, so now I'm very. Like, you know, there's a lot of flavor coming through me or professionalism in a way. So he's not
2: a blank slate. Yeah. You mean? I, I think the, the interpretation I got is like, you know, you can have, like, it would be cool if Love was a Terminator, right? Like, if, if they wanted, like, a Terminator-esque character, I think that would have been neat. And, you know, just just if, if I would just throw my hat in the ring so I guess people can get inside my head, what I would have thought would have been an execution of the Love character would have been brilliant is it's like a Terminator-esque character, right? You know, it's scary. It kind of kills everyone mercilessly and ruthlessly and very strongly whenever it encounters somebody. But like the minute you see it interact with Jared Leto and Harrison Ford, like like human characters, it's like overwhelmingly charismatic and polite. Like it, it's like one of the, like almost like where, where you're like off-put, like what they attempted to do with Prometheus, with David, where the, it's, it's like the suave nice robot is really this like secretly god-like bad guy. I would have just done that, but, but more simple. Like they even tried to pull it off in Dark Fate, but I, I feel like they didn't do it hard enough. They kind of dipped their toe in it. And that was the best part about Dark Fate, is where like the, the machines had learned to make a Terminator insidious enough to be nice. Like instead of just barging into the place, it's like, oh, hello, ma'am. Uh, I got it. Like I lost something can you help me and the person's like oh sure and then like the terminator once the doors open kills them and goes inside so like i I think there's there's different layers to menace uh that you can attribute to characters and then people aren't cardboard cutouts like some people are terrible to normal people but extremely tender to their friends some people are assholes to their friends but when they speak to a stranger they're perfectly polite and palatable so I, I think one thing that kind of i guess always kind of goes back to the same argument it, it seems the prequels and stuff is i felt like 2049 was made by people who didn't have the same life experiences the people who made the original blade runner had so it, it's very much like a redditor's adventure uh like where everything is kind of one note everything is kind of sorted characters have their predetermined plot arcs there's like light twists I thought it was funny how they, they tried to psych people out where they're like, oh, you thought you were special. No, you're not special. And that was the twist. And I'm like, it would have been a bigger twist if he was special because he spent the whole movie gassing him up like he's not special. He's like a run-of-the-mill replicant. And, and they like dangle the mystery that he might not be a run-of-the-mill replicant. But then they're like, oh, actually, no. Oh, we were, you know, the movie was the same way the whole time. Tricked you gotcha. And it's like, oh, boy, <laughs> <laughs> nice you were nothing
0: I, to begin with and you <laughs> yeah, ended as nothing say, uh, it, it's my, like, it, it, my mom yeah, yeah like, what, you guys
3: oh yeah sorry i was just gonna say my mom actually guessed that twist like early into the movie um because she watched it and i was like what did you think and she's like yeah as soon as they showed the uh the the woman in like the freaking biodome you know who creates the memories for replicants she's like i knew that that was like the real person that they were talking about and it kind of ruined it for me <laughs> so i guess you have a point there yeah i, I there
1: would also run. i would also like to make a very small point cuz i just i just looked it up online looked at the poster and like the perfect <clears throat> the perfect comparison between blade runner and blade runner 2049 is the blade runner blaster when you look oh, at the yeah. when you look at the Blade Runner Blaster from the original Blade Runner it's like you see craftsmanship you see that it's still based in our world you see that it's super futuristic and interesting and like so whoever made that was proud. And then when you look at the new Blade Runner 2049 Blaster it looks like someone just, you know, threw it into AutoCAD and 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 just printed it out. <laughs> Like, there's no, there is absolutely no, it looks like, it seriously looks like the guy who was supposed to design it, like, procrastinated so hard. And then when he showed up, they were just like, all right, show us what you got. And he's like, uh, uh, here it is. they go, beautiful, perfect.
3: You, you know what's weird is, um, I mean, I I, I gotta agree. I'm not a big fan of Kay's Blaster. But you know what the weird thing is, is that, uh, if you look up, uh, Love's Blaster, which is basically just, like, the same Gun, but like a different model. Like it, it looks as though it it fires the same ammunition and it fires in the same way, but it is like a lot sleeker. Yeah, I just looked it up. That that's way cooler than main I mean, shot. it's got the same two barrel design. It's got the same yeah. sort of basic shape. It's it's not great. I'm not saying that it's like as good as the original Blade Runner blaster because that's the most iconic film prop of all time. But
1: yeah, it would have looked cool for Ghost in the Shell. But it does yes, not look it, cool for Blade Runner.
3: Well, that still her gun looks better than the protagonists, which is weird yeah. to me. Yeah. Do his, his gun strange. looks
0: like uh off brand nerf. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's something strange.
3: Yeah. Oh,
2: so like another thing I wanted to to bring up, I'd say, is I, I did enjoy the scene where he goes into the um like the data archives and he uses that really rad computer to look up files. Like I thought that yeah. was like a neat scene. And um, I was shocked that there's there's like very few scenes of him literally interacting with the world. Like one thing I like in, in Harrison Ford's uh, original performance is like he, he like brushes shoulders with people, like he nudges his way through cl- like crowds. Like one thing I liked is like you don't know how important the job of a Blade Runner is. Like sometimes it feels like a shitty job because he goes into this nightclub and and he like basically has to worm his way to find the the replicant inside whereas i feel like you know if it was a expertise prestigious job or something or if he was like a real badass he could just kind of like stroll in like in like a gunslinger vibe but then at the same time he gets like a, uh he's able to meet with the tyrell owner which i think is like pretty bonkers and and like i like that range of like yeah like you know what is this world like Whereas like in the the new one he's just like in his apartment in the police station and then like this action set pieces there's not much of or, or when he talks to like the scavengers there there isn't that sense of like tactile interaction with things yeah, like they're uh, not
3: like they're, they're not everyday people like in yeah. the original where like yeah. deckard is like finessing like real guys like businessmen and like you know, club owners and all this stuff, and yeah, that is true. Kay is like mostly talking to just like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, random scavengers and homeless folk.
0: And I've like... seen someone once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: It's not the same style of conversation.
0: Yeah, so, no, it so d- de- it definitely does feel like the complete opposite. Where Blade Runner feels so populated, and Twenty Forty Nine feels just like it matches like the desert aesthetic of the
2: casino area. My last point before we can move on is, um, you know, Blade Runner is a world where mostly like a lot of things can happen in the world. So it's like it's not outrageous to present certain shots or circumstances to the audience. Like, for example, I love when he shoots the replicant and she collapses through the storefronts that have the artificial snow. So like you can have that cool noir snowy shot scene in a bustling city. That's not snowing at all. It's L.A. Like I think that's that's like an incredible um, way to to like justify your shot through the world. Uh, Whereas I feel like in in Blade Runner they don't like I think if the I will give it its credit where I think the hologram like abandoned casino was pretty slick. Now that you guys mention it, but there's there's no attempt to make the world rationalize more interesting shots like k just yeah goes to the desert and it's it's like just the desert with like some ruins in it like it it, all like the sorry the the first movie feels like a living breathing world whereas the second movie feels like like disneyland universal studios stuff like i feel like it feels like an
1: it feels like an unfinished video game yeah, yeah, I feel like Dennis Villeneuve's like, wouldn't you
2: like to take an Instagram picture here? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
3: Damn. Well, I will say that you mentioned it earlier and again, there's no justification for like why things look this way, but like in um uh what, what's his name? Jared Leto's characters, you know, uh headquarters, uh I I do like the weird like artificial sunlight that's constantly like sweeping through just because it does create interesting, like looking shots. But yeah, it, it's kind of strange. Like it, it's so different from everything else that it, it's definitely jarring. And it definitely goes to show his like love for, you know, eccentric things, but yeah, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I like those shots. They look cool beyond that. I don't really know how to feel about them. So I can understand that. It's like, there's no, uh, method to it other than somebody you know in the visual department said this would look really cool
1: so have you changed your opinion ty
3: i still like it there's still something in there that i enjoy and i can't help it you know i'm gonna like what i'm gonna like and i've realized that there's some things i just like because but i understand i get it
0: yeah it makes sense i also i, I still enjoy it as a i guess like i don't know just as a film it's just enjoyable but i, I may like it on the same level that i mentioned earlier i, I like
3: prometheus i watch it a lot uh, I think on a visual level, I adore it. Uh, Plot-wise, I really don't give a crap. But uh, maybe maybe I kind of feel the same way about 2049, where, the, yeah, you're right. There's not a lot of motivation for, for certain things being or looking the way they are in-universe. But there's a lot of still little moments that I could freeze and say, I like that. I don't know why I like it, but I like it. Um,
2: it it's look, it's well-made. I, I think the hardest part with, with arguing or debating these points with people... Um, I'd say I've experienced is, is I'm not saying these things are like objectively bad. It's like, you know, it's like, this is good, but it could be better yeah because no, I, mean, I,
0: I i still sure you have, like... <laughs> did you did
3: you perchance watch the new wonder woman <laughs> i didn't even know oh where that. Don't, we're not God gonna God. no no that. no, no. Not, gonna... not about that you just said a quote from pedro pascal's character of <laughs> oh like, 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 i hope the he's a cool character good, could that. Be on, on the no, tv and stuff no, no kidding even though i hated the new wonder woman pedro pascal and his character and everything about him are like it's genuinely
0: wonderful and it's a shame that he's in
3: this crappy movie
0: <laughs> yeah it's all it's a whole thing but um i will say too like uh having ryan gosling and anna Darmus as like Kay and joy were quite i don't know they, they kept me very i guess invested the whole time but i also really liked this too uh, and i think that was the actual very first movie with anna Darmus that i saw And now she's like in like knives out and stuff but and i think the upcoming james bond film uh but at least cast wise was really enjoyable for me But I guess before we end this one, Miles, what would be like the main, if you could change one specific thing or like one big thing, whatever that one thing would be, what would you want to change?
2: Personally, if I could change anything, would be, I would would remove all the callbacks to the original, and this movie would have been like a non-ironic, like this is another Blade Runner story. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay. Gosh. Yeah, that's fair enough. That yeah, I, I would. That works. Forward with. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and put like references or something maybe like in in hindsight. But I would have done like a season of the witch. Like even if people would have been nice. mad and disappointed, mm. I would have just done like like the Blade Runner world's too rich and interesting to like try and drag out a plot line that that has a cool resolution.
0: Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully the anime will be good. Uh, oh,
2: yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I, yeah, and ironically, the, the anime short they released before the movie is, is I like exactly it. what yeah. I would have done with great. the Blade Runner world. I thought that was fantastic. Like, wonderful. I think it's much better than the movie. And there's a series you know, coming
0: soon, so we'll yeah. see how that goes. I, I hope it I looks the same uh, as that. Well. Yeah, I, I think
3: that, um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned, like, you know, needless callbacks and fan service. And I'm willing to bet since I'm talking about a reboot and Cameron is talking about a prequel to a very famous movie, we're both going to say the same thing. I think everybody here hates stupid, needless fan service callbacks for no reason. And yeah, it's obnoxious. Like I I definitely agree with you there. If you can cut ties with the original, I, I probably would like 2049 better if it just didn't answer any questions about the original and just said, screw it. No Harrison Ford, no original plot uh you know, tying back to the original plot, no reoccurring characters or anything, just a new story. I probably would like it better. So
0: alright. Alright. So let's before we get into more of the fan servicey movies, Roman, let's hear about this black hole. Dude, I can't wait.
1: So the black hole, um I I blind bought this film after seeing the poster. The poster was wicked. I was I I was like, I need to see this, and it's a Disney film, and it was the first PG Disney film, and people were like protesting it. Like, I gotta, I gotta watch this movie. So, turns out you can't buy any of Disney's classic films um, anywhere on Blu-ray because you have to be a Disney Blu-ray Club member, what? which is way too expensive. So I have to buy okay. them off of scalpers. This is news to me. Oh, what dude. Oh, heck? we'll we'll oh, yeah. get into a whole physical media talk later. Uh, but Disney, the bastards that they are... Um, oh, sorry, Mickey. Sorry, Mickey. Don't do it to me. No. Um, no. But, but um, uh, yeah, so I have to buy all of these, like, classic Disney films off of scalpers off eBay. Black Hole was one of them, uh, along with 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which is great. And um, Dr. Sin the Scarecrow, which is so badass. Um but uh, so I I watch this film today while I'm doing my laundry and I just do not finish my laundry. I am sucked in, but I'm sucked in for a weird reason. Uh, the film, which was full of all of these amazing actors and and visuals, which have now aged kind of poorly, um, and just a really interesting plot. But everyone's acting like wooden and and the whole first half of the film is just talking and exposition and what's going on and there's this black hole that's just out in space that our crew just accidentally stumbles upon and there's this abandoned ship that's just floating in the event horizon of the black hole and it's just sitting there so they go and investigate and it's like a old ship from 20 years ago with like a scientist uh dr hans reinhardt played by maximilian Schell, and he's just on there and the entire ship is just full of robots and there's one robot called max and it's terrifying literally looks like if satan was a robot and um, he is scary (laughs) oh he's scary (laughs) as shit and so you i mean you got anthony perkins you got robert forrester from jackie brown I mean, you've got you've got Yvette Mimieux as Dr. Kate, Ernest Borgnine is being Ernest Borgnine in space, acting crazy. You've got Roddy McDowell, who is one of my favorite actors from *Fright Night* and *Planet of the Apes*, and he's playing the cute robot. And he has a cute robot sidekick that he finds, voiced by Slim Frickin' Pickens from *Blazing Saddles* and *Doctor Strangelove*. And I mean, you've got an insane cast. And this film comes out in 1979 the same time it's released uh, side by side next to the Star Trek motion picture. And it doesn't even make its money back, I don't think. And and so Disney just forgets about the film, gets rid of all the toys that were they were gonna put out. They just buried it after like a week of it being in theaters. And so I'm watching the film and everyone's like acting totally wooden and nothing's really happening for the first half. And then you're just kind of like chugging through this like kind of like clickety-clack of like going up this roller coaster. And when it hits this point in the middle, one of the characters just gets drilled through the chest by the evil robot. And and the entire film just roller coasters straight down. And you're like, holy shit, these guys are about to get launched into a black hole. The robots on the ship are evil. The crazy scientist is like, protect me from my robot, please. And and everyone just needs to get off of the ship. Um and and it just turns into a 30 minute laser shootout where nothing really makes sense. People should be getting sucked out of the ship, but I guess I guess they can breathe in space. I don't I don't freaking know. It makes no sense. No one did their research when they were do making this movie. But I was so sucked in, and I was thinking, like, "Wow, this film could have been as impactful as Star Wars if it was done right." And um, I don't know. I just, there was something about the film, like I. It's like I Disney's
2: d- Event Horizon.
1: It's yeah, <laughs> it's like Disney's Event Horizon, and um, which is another and- film that. to jump in on your
2: on your point is one thing that that i kind of admire about anime over western uh kids content is it it seems like eastern creators like they know that kids can enjoy a range of materials so there's Mm -hmm. like horror anime for kids there's like action anime for kids like there's historical dramas for kids but, you know, the the West in some ways does, does replicate that too. I don't want to act as if like anime is just by definition superior. But I think it's wild that it, that same sensibility doesn't extend to live action content. And I think it's interesting that Disney at one point was like, you know, we could make a sci-fi thriller for kids. Like Star Wars has already been done before. So instead of a swashbuckling adventure, you could have like a, a tense, claustrophobic techno dungeon type of movie that kids could vibe with i mean like lost in space was yeah. kind of a similar yeah concept.
1: that was a great well film. what what blows my mind about this film was it was in development since like 1970 and, wow. and it and they were just trying to make a movie about a black hole and in 1972 you get the poseidon adventure and then in 74 you got um the towering inferno i don't remember when earthquake came out but but all these disaster films were happening and they were like yo we need to make our black hole movie but make it a disaster film in space about these guys about to get their ship sucked into a black hole and after star wars came over everyone was just like we got to rewrite it guys (laughs) (laughs) and so you get this really interesting film about this like ghost ship and people and crazy robots and and by the end of the film the ship gets the ship the giant ship gets sucked into the black hole with our crazy scientists and the evil robots. And our main characters get off in the probe ship that actually has a course planned through the black hole. And so what happens to the crazy robots and the scientist is after all of this 2001 A Space Odyssey trippy, like, you know, oh my gosh, like this, these visuals. It, if I was on acid, this film would have... <laughs> Uh, sent me to the hospital um but the evil robot ends up becoming the devil oh and like in hell apparently if you go through a black hole you just end up in hell and or like
3: the afterlife because there's a scene where you see like an angel as yeah, well right it's a it's weird
1: like- space afterlife where like the crazy scientist is like condemned to be stuck inside of like the evil robot in hell like commanding this legion of weird alien zombies. That's pretty well, this only happens in like two minutes. And then our main characters get sent through uh the black hole. They see heaven, I'm guessing. This is all speculation. And they get sent out through a white hole and upon this new earth. And that's the end of the film.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah it just I happens saw that. It's funny because I saw that with no context as a child and then like the years later tried to find out like, what's the ending of the black hole about? And like literally verbatim what you said, scientist gets trapped in the robot, which is like the devil gets sent to hell. Main characters get to go to heaven. That's the end of the movie.
1: I think this film will actually, I think it will actually benefit on repeat viewings because I remember, especially Anthony Perkins's uh, character talking a lot about there's only one answer left for mankind to really figure out, they never say what it is, but, but I know what You know, what it, you know like, what it is, yeah. yeah. I assume. So uh, if if I were to redo this film, I would, I would tighten it up a little bit. I'd keep all the same characters. I would maybe pump up the horror elements. I you you later find out why everyone's acting so wooden. It's everyone's afraid. Throughout the whole movie, but it never comes across for the whole first half because they just it wasn't directed properly, in my opinion. Mm. Um, I think you could really do it. the 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 little robots were honestly the best part of the movie. They were our comedic relief and our charisma that we, that was desperately needed. Need a little bit more horror elements added into it. So, yeah.
3: Well, it's funny that you mentioned the protests about it being PG, because I I Googled, uh, like, what, you know, in the 70s, what were the, uh, how did PG work? And it it says, you know, the original PG, like, disclaimer said, not suitable for pre-teenagers. So I guess, yeah, PG was the original PG-13, which I just never Mm -hmm. thought about, because, yeah, everybody talks about in film, like, the invention of PG-13, I never thought about yeah until that point. You get away with a lot of PG, and I didn't know that it had that stamp. So yeah, so, it makes sense people would be upset.
1: So one thing that I found really interesting about the black hole was that in 2009 they were planning on remaking it. Really. Um, with the director who did Tron Legacy in 20 who who eventually did oh. Tron Legacy in 2010, um, but since Tron Legacy didn't do very well, they just like put it on hiatus. Um, and then in 2013, um, the guy who wrote Prometheus was originally supposed to be the screenwriter, and I think he is the screenwriter. Let me look. Let me look that up. Actually, everything
0: is all tied together. Also, Tron Legacy.
1: I don't know what people are talking. That movie is great. I, I oh know, I wait. Know. Okay, so the guy who, the guy who was the screenwriter for Prometheus, was signed on for it, but in 2016, Disney put it on hold because they just couldn't come to an agreement because the black hole ended up being too dark for a Disney film. Oh which gosh. it is too dark to be a Disney film, but I, I think it says the right things. Yeah. but now as as of March 2018, uh, Emily Carmichael is going to be the writer of the film. and Emily's uh, claim to fame is Pacific Rim uprising.
0: Wait, so it's still it's still
1: happening. Yeah it's happening again now. Uh, oh. She just needs to finish Jurassic World Dominion first, Oh. and boy. Uh, then she'll write the black hole. I, f-
0: I feel like it, if they were too afraid of it to be under the direct Disney umbrella, why didn't they just distribute it through their other child company, like uh,
1: Touchstone? i don't think touchstone was around yet i mean this was uh, seven
0: no but for the remake
1: oh I for mean, the remake yeah Shit, for like I the one know.
0: that would have been around sean legacy they could have just done touchstone listen pirates of the caribbean is pg-13 and that was done
1: i that. don't know what the hell disney is doing under their weird under their weird tent okay so i nothing can be answered at this time, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> they literally had a movie about alcoholic skeleton pirates. Like, come on! Yeah, and a but squid that's, man.
1: that's pirates. This is literally about getting sucked into a, a black spice. hole, evil robots, and heaven and hell. Okay. But- so,
0: what would you? What would be your big change then? What would be the absolute like the one thing? Your one thing? What would be your one thing?
1: My big change was uh, would be I, I would want more character development. I Mm -hmm. wanna get to know our characters before they're thrust into this situation. I want them to show their emotions a little bit more so not everyone is a... Everyone in the film acts like a plank of wood except our two little robots, Bob and Vincent, who were actually nominated for most annoying non-human characters by the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. Back in 79, <laughs> which is, which is, you know, that's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, they can go fuck themselves because they were the best part of that goddamn movie. Slim Pickens and Roddy McDowell. Y'all are my man, men. <laughs> y'all are my men. So, I uh, yeah, I would just give it more character development. Um, maybe pump the horror aspects a little bit more. Take a little inspiration from Event Horizon and put that back into the black hole, which definitely uh yeah event horizon definitely took a lot of inspiration from um yeah uh add some yeah add some more horror in there more character okay. development i need to watch this movie man like it's uh... it's damn good but that first 30 minutes some boring 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 stuff dude like gonna be oh real gosh. boring
0: We'll definitely talk about at least like the formatting of like why it's not available. I feel like that actually could be a great episode yeah, kinda, of just talking about exclusivity you have to and be part
3: of a club. What the? Heck? It's just
1: going to be me talking about how bullshit physical releases on Blu-ray are right now.
0: Yeah, it'll be. It'll be I think that'll be fun. But uh, all right, so that is Roman's pick. Yeah, Ty, should we're we do... are talking
3: about Jurassic World yeah. 3. Let's hop into Jurassic World. Yeah,
0: let's get into the dinosaur. Let's, uh, how would you change this dino's DNA, Ty? All right. let's put it uh, bluntly.
3: Everybody who knows me knows Jurassic Park's my favorite movie of all time. It's like what got me into movies and visual effects and like art and everything that I love. And uh, for the longest time, I wanted to be a paleontologist like Dr. Grant. Uh, friggin' I love it. Adore it. Perfect film. Um, and I'm not a big fan of um, Lost World I feel like it kind of misses the point um, it's very much just sort of a you know extravaganza uh, eye candy uh, kind of adventure film that doesn't really have like the moral message of original Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park 3 I have kind of a soft spot for it rounds it kind of comes back around a little bit it's not great uh, I think the reason it kind of works is because it recycles a bunch of ideas that were not gonna be in the original Jurassic Park, uh, or, or sorry, didn't make the final cut, and it just like uses that like the whole um, like birdcage sequence. That it's was also something- from the first book too. Yeah, the first the first book was uh, there's a bunch of ideas that it uses from that. It it, it it gets away with being like just assembled out of recycled ideas, but it it does it well enough, and it, it has the. The fact that it's got dr grant there to deliver the moral message again is like okay passable it's not great uh but i I like it um jurassic world um i saw i've seen it uh i think all the way through only twice once like on the premiere day uh with my family and i came out just like fuming like i really hated it (laughs) um i was so upset uh but then, <laughs> just trying to imagine
0: you so angry
3: oh i was trying to hold it back too because i'm like with my my brother and my mom and my dad and i like, can't let them
0: see me i know like
3: but i kind of let it out i was like i really just didn't enjoy myself um but then uh one of the visual effects uh lead artists came to scad and i wanted to hear him talk uh even though i'm, I'm not like you know some huge fan of Jurassic world effects i figured it'd be a good thing to go watch and uh it was at trustees theater and they were doing a screening of jurassic world first before the q a and uh, i I think i ended up not even staying for the q a because uh i i got to see him actually in one of my classes earlier that week but i was like i'll go i got tickets and i i took roman and roman hadn't seen it um and it's funny because suddenly being in a theater where like everybody was like the target audience age and like demographic and they were like going wild for it it was like packed everybody was really having a great time and i think that influenced my perception of it a little bit more on second viewing i was like i get why people like this it's a popcorn flick it's not my preferred cup of tea but i get it a little bit better now and i remember talking to roman afterward and we were saying okay it feels a little bit more like a worthy sequel now that we've seen it with the people who enjoyed it most sitting around us, but it still just doesn't feel right. Um, and I think the biggest thing after all that, just kind of to get that out of the way, as far as like how I've seen it, as time has gone on, it just feels like it misses the point. Um, it feels like a greedy reboot. And I, I think the fact that the movie, the biggest thing in my mind, the fact that the movie like celebrates greed, like really upsets me. Um, it, one of the biggest thing that's ever been pointed out to me about jurassic world that makes me just like despise one of the lead characters is how um you know they they it's a reboot so of course they have to have surrogates for all of the characters and uh, the character claire is supposed to be the hammond surrogate you know she runs the park um but really she's but she's burke from aliens like <laughs> yeah. that's that's actually who she is like she's a, well aware of the risks she's experimenting with you know genetic powers beyond her comprehension and yet she just continues to send men to their death for the do food. it anyway it's money yeah yeah the the scene that really seals the deal is when she's like sending those dudes in to see about the indominus and chris pratt's characters there it is like telling
2: her don't do it and she just keeps
3: letting these men die needlessly and like i, I wish
2: like, they they put like the pedal to the metal and made her an anti-hero like i wish she was like just like an in-gen like ruthless like
4: yeah yeah it's like go one way or
2: the
3: other either make her very redeemable or make her full-on like yeah engine bad guy it's got to be one of the two because the middle ground where they attempt to give her this redemption arc just doesn't land she should go to prison like she she should
2: not be around at the end of this movie (laughs) um and it's like i'm surprised they didn't like it's a hell of a origin story if they had made her the villain of the original i know yeah
3: and it's it's funny because um, again there's there's a lot in there that you could like do well with the fact that they bring back um, I don't remember his name but the the Asian scientist background character from, oh BD Wong yeah they bring him back so that he can be the villain and I'm like that's unnecessary Claire's the villain make her that character <laughs> yeah. um, and so uh, and it's 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 even worse with the fact that uh, Jurassic Park has some pretty violent deaths but it's a spielberg film that's intended to be handled in a way that's like just on the edge of like what you can get away with on screen as far as like violent deaths so there's a lot of you know uh well-timed cutaways and out of focus shots um you know where people die in like kind of horrific ways jurassic world puts the pedal to the metal with these like horribly like violent unjustified killing oh yeah, the, remember the, the, the secretary woman? oh yeah God. who was yeah. only nice to everybody and did her job and they have this horrible like it lasts like a whole minute her slowly being just ripped apart it's like weird and it's not as if i'm opposed to like violence in films it's just like what was the point i don't like
0: because it's like whole, the pterodactyl like, gets her and then the mosasaurus is like oh boy double yeah, and trouble they're,
3: like, and the pterodactyls are like pulling her apart in midair it's like what is going on no it, i, it's,
1: I i i totally agree with you on that point because like that's that's like watching watching star trek the next generation and then watching star trek discovery it's like yeah, listen it's like that i Absolutely. love i love curse words i love gore i love mean-spirited gore and curse words i just, just pump it into everything that i love except it just does not work for star trek and it yeah. doesn't work for jurassic park it it, uh, the they hole, do yeah. it
0: worse in one place and that's in Lost World where Eddie uh, yeah. he's trying to save them when they're in the It uh, has the same the problem as Lost World. The is. two T-Rexes literally you oh, yeah. actually see him get ripped yeah. in half whereas in this yeah. one you still see her in one piece when she does get got. I like uh, that the, the difference though is I would say even though his is much more brutal I would say visually brutal because uh, you literally see him get ripped in half uh it it feels more natural because it's just, even though it's ridiculous you're like two t-rexes and they're just like hey boy you did wrong today and he's like oh no Is like
3: okay that i was literally about to get to that point is like the it's it's unnaturally violent like the thing about jurassic park as a series and even with lost world it still manages to do a good job of like keeping the idea like always present that these are animals and they're yeah. gonna behave like animals, whether violently or like non-violently, because the Jurassic Park does a beautiful job of like sprinkling, you know, both scenes of like horrific violence with scenes of nature being beautiful and wonderful and tame, and and you know, Dr. Grant's always there to push the the line forward that okay, like nature is both of these things, and that's why it's amazing. Like, and that's the whole point of the movie is that nature is uncontrollable and in all aspects, you know, you, it, it has to thrive in its own way. And for some way, in, in some parts of nature, that's violence and that's scary to us, but for them, it's normal. And in some ways, you know, we we see it as gentle and, you know, beautiful and amazing, but it's all part of the same. It's, it's, our, it's all part of the same thing. But, the, but uh, you know, they kind of lost their way with Lost World where they started just wanting to throw in violence for violence's sake but it still kind of manages to to keep the balance but yeah jurassic world just gets like goofy like especially with the fact that they introduce you know a dinosaur that's genetically designed to be the scariest killing machine to ever live like it gets to this point where it's like okay you're not even hiding that this is a popcorn flick at this point there's nothing you can just use to justify the existence of this dinosaur except when they they're like oh the the military ordered it it's like oh of course of course they did
0: like that wasn't even that's the, the only... no, like, that's the whole thing, like, because uh, what's the company Dr. Wong actually works for? I don't freaking remember. It's um, it's frustrating
3: because uh, it really feels like a cop-out just so that they can, because it's as if they came up with the ideas first like the existence of the indominus and the existence of trained raptors it's like they wrote all these ideas down and then said well wait we have to justify their existence somehow they, they still never really do justify like why the you know uh, like what what did chris pratt's character think he was training these raptors for because he acts all surprised when he finds out later that his superiors like are being you know paid by the military i'm like wait what did they tell you you were training velociraptors for what <laughs>
0: are you doing yeah. i guess it's because like, you know it's the whole thing it's like an amusement park so he thinks it's like oh i'll be I training them and they're gonna be like the dolphins in the sea world or something i
3: guess it's so weird it, it really feels like th- there was a list that they came up with first and had to come up with justification plot wise later
2: but have, um... have you heard that that like or seen there's like a video of one of the some some movie producer talking about what his ideal jurassic park sequel would be and um it, it's supposed to be spur of the moment but you can kind of get vibe that he had been thinking about this for a while um before he gets the chance to speak but a lot of it is is pretty synonymous with, with what actually happens in the sequels of those movies um in i guess the new jurassic world uh movies and um I, it, like when you were saying it was like mean spirited and stuff i think the the thing that kind of struck me with the the jurassic park movies the most is Is it it just drips that like Marvel cinematic universe curse where like the the movie just has to have all those like AI tracking algorithms? It feels like an AI Jurassic Park movie.
0: It does. I would say, like, when they came into it, their presentation, the guy that pitched this had one word, he only used one word for the whole thing. He just went big and they're like what do you mean yeah. it's like big you want to we got a land now we're gonna have a world we had a t-rex now we're gonna have a fucking blah 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 blah, blah. we had raptor we have like four raptors now like they went crazy yeah. like
3: well like the thing is um another big thing about that as far as it, you know the marketing and the concept of the movie something else this is sort of getting outside of the realm of movie making but rather just the corporateness of this movie that i hate um the original jurassic park you know celebrates the idea that your know, nature should be free and um you know the whole idea is that ian malcolm was right like the whole time he was 100 percent correct um you can't control nature and anybody who attempts to control it is wrong um, especially with something that's this far removed from human civilization um meanwhile uh if you look at you know uh the the toys surrounding jurassic world what are they all of it's all the worst stuff the morally worst stuff in the park it's like they they, they they have the problem of um, I, I remember hearing this in like an interview talking about um, uh, Batman and Robin about how like they felt like they had to get the design for toys before anything else. And uh, we've already talked about Batman and Robin and it's very entertaining, but part of the reason that that movie had such a hard time getting you know made at all was because they they wanted things to be quote toyetic uh and it feels like there's so much of this stuff that they were like well you got to include these big rolly ball things in the park so that we can make an rc toy out of that make sure that you design something that's not a t-rex because we need to make a toy out of it and there's already too many t-rex toys make sure that you um you know have all these signature attractions that we've not seen before in order to make toys out of them and i'm like that's not the point like that's they literally have you know um, a scene in the original Jurassic Park where they're sitting adjacent to the gift shop and like talking about this and the whole idea is that like you know they're they're marketing an uncontrollable force of nature and that's wrong. Like it's you know, almost like the people
0: that made this didn't understand. The yeah, of that's kind of what I'm getting. Oh at. my god!
3: <laughs> it's like it's just it's comical. It just really hurts yeah. my heart, and it, it, I'm glad that the the franchise from Jurassic World onward has slowly sort of spiraled cuz uh, they're just sort of losing touch of like what what even do you do with it um you know on the on the subject of you know the movie feeling like it was written by an ai um, another fun. can i jump in real quick. oh yeah Again?
2: Go for it. so i actually rewatched Jurassic Park 3 um at a barbershop <laughs> but uh one thing i i actually dug that so I, as a kid, I hated it because they killed the T-Rex. And I was like, that, oh, that's yeah. <laughs> trash old, in the garbage. This goes like like I honestly, if I was old enough to get up and walk out of a movie theater, I would have done it. Um, <laughs> but but one thing rewatching it is is getting past that pill to swallow. The Spinosaurus is really cool.
1: Yeah. It's got
2: like great design. It, it's got a great stage presence um my, my only gripe is is it just wasn't as cool as the t-rex so like that's like darth vader getting his throat slit by darth mole <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. darth Maul's yeah. cool but like nah like it can't happen like that um but you know outside of that like the, the redesigns for the raptors are really strong and really cool um y- you can tell that it was born of the same ecosystem that spawned the other two movies. So it, it might not be as great as the original, but like I love Lost World and Jurassic Park 3 for just being great dinosaur content. I mean, if no, yeah. you just want like a, a dinosaur movie, it's really fun to watch. So that is true. In, in contrast to Jurassic Park 3 to Jurassic World, that like really surprised me is... You know, they've made the, the, the rambunctious Jurassic Park sequels in Lost World and Jurassic Park 3. And, like uh, you know, some of them are kind of menacing. Some of the parts are really kind of funny. And, you know, it, it actually has a big uh, full spectrum of what these films can cover. And it just shocks me that they were so adamant about, like, we want the Chinese audience, we want the Marvel Cinematic Universe audience, and we want that, like... That redditor like whoa big dinosaurs kind of <laughs> vibe to it like in in fact I actually kind of liked it when I first saw it but um one of my friends you know said a comment to me that kind of shattered my my somewhat I like dinosaurs so I, I was kind of no yeah to I, it. I, I I totally I get that like just if you
3: watch it for just the dinosaurs it's forgivable in a lot of ways yeah, yeah. especially like, the um, second
2: one <laughs> Gosh, when I was watching Megalodon I I was telling my friend that uh well well, first the original comment was he was like dude what broke me out of the movie is the mosasaurus is like bigger than a blue whale like that that is like the biggest creature in the history of mankind (laughs) in in the context of this universe like like what do they even feed this thing like it it would die under its own body weight like they they feed it
1: They feed it great white sharks every day. Yo, I was thinking like Like, those aren't
3: endangered at all. It doesn't make any sort of sense. Like how in the world they can even sustain it? Like,
2: yeah, it's like ludicrous.
1: You would have to. You would have to feed it endangered, giant endangered whales every day. I, exactly. Genius. And Genius.
2: The, the thing that that was kind of weird though was you know I was watching The Meg that that Jason Statham movie. Ah! And I used to like to watch that. These movies, I was like these movies are really silly. They're really dumb. But I was like, you know what, dude? I just can't shake it. But I just really like seeing big CGI creatures. Like that. Like they could just have a movie of the shark swimming in circles. <laughs> I, I would have watched it. Like it, it's just something about like. I guess just dinosaurs and see, like, I guess it's because you're so used to seeing them as skeletons in a museum that it, it seems like a, a unique treat just to see them animated. But I, yeah. I think that they never really got past that perception with Jurassic World, where, where it's just like, you know, is this a problem? And they're like, come on, dude, but there's dinosaurs in this. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Dinosaurs. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: I, I feel that, like, dude. No kidding when, when that dude who was one of the, the visifex guys that like, came to SCAD and he did a little talk in our class and was showing like he had like a full breakdown of like the Indominus's like muscular structure and like he created a skeleton for it. Like an actual like, um, you know, muscle and bone system so they could try and make it as like plausible as possible. I ate that up. Like that was great. I, I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the Indominus as a creature, but I liked that presentation a lot. Cause I was like, Ooh, dinosaur content, even if it's a fake dinosaur, it's dinosaur content. Thank you. Like, um, you know, bless this man for making this for me. <laughs> Just eat it up. But yeah, like, um, it, it, it's so weird seeing it from both perspectives with, you know, me really hating it the first time and then with an audience that loved it. And I'm like, I get it, but yeah, like it, it does feel like a film written by an AI. Like I was going to say earlier, um, like good example, uh, the 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 two boys, right? Um, who are the you know audience surrogate, right? I forget like, that they exist. They're only there so they have people in the food in the in the film that look like the target audience, you know. And they're yeah. the two respective ages, and they're they're both boys, so it's like okay, yeah, you know you know who's gonna come watch this, um, you know they they have this whole plot where they get sent off to the park, and it's all expense paid, and it's by their you know parents, and their parents are clearly you know getting divorced and like there's a brief moment where they're on the tram and the younger brother starts to get upset and he like mentions you know the the divorce that's kind of looming and the other the older brother kind of like shushes him and then they forget about it it's never mentioned again and i was like it's as if they were like we need one second of motivation for these characters um what's relatable parent divorce young one is sad older one is not
0: how um, trending? It's over. <laughs> like you know, he's not sad anymore. I'm just like, oh my gosh.
1: We already dealt the... with that in Jurassic Park Three.
0: <laughs> no, I'm just in like... the uh, in the end. Don't they bring the parents and they're like, we got you guys. I would love it if the I after know. credits is just them still getting the divorce. <laughs> <I'm>
3: <laughs> like, I can't believe. <laughs> I don't know. It just it, it's stuff like that that makes me feel like yeah, it's like an unthinking, unfeeling force that wrote this movie. Like it feels robotic. It doesn't feel like somebody who actually understands. It's like we need. We need relatable content. Quick, Google something relatable for children of this age. Then put it in for two lines of dialogue so we don't have to worry about it again. Um, anyways, there, there's all that plot. I can go on to that forever. Big one, the big one, the biggest one of all. Do y'all remember when this movie was coming out? And they were like don't worry fans of Jurassic Park we're gonna have lots of practical effects we'll get Stan Winston in on this God, don't y'all worry that. and then there's one practical effect in the whole movie and it's that <laughs> was one... it the holographic
0: Dilophosaurus
3: no it's that, one, it's that one freaking Brachiosaurus head that's on the ground only from like the bottom of the chin up and it just looks awful and it just sort of like wobbles there on the ground it's very clear that it's only like three feet long and the, it, you know it stops as soon as the, it gets past the camera and that's it's just for Chris Pratt fingers. to walk up and hold its head it looks just it just does not look that great especially when you compare it to other you know practical effects throughout the previous three movies Dude, I, and, it feels like ah.
2: these
3: movies. oh sorry sorry to jump in but like no no no. i'm not i'm, I'm mad in like general they, i hate thinking about this
2: <laughs> no worries no worries man I, I feel like these movies are made for the marketing and not for the content of the film yeah like yeah, they yeah, yeah, absolutely. post on our movies where they're like we do have the practical effects we do have the original actors. We do have new interesting dinosaur designs. And then, you know, it has all the R movies, like checklist for the 23,000 upvote post where they're like, wow, I can't <laughs> wait to see this movie. It's I, it comes out and they're like, gotcha. You already paid for the ticket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how they got me. They, they said all the things <laughs> I
3: wanted to hear and posted all the stuff that was like, you know, eye candy for people who liked the original. And I freaking fell forward enough to go see it, you know. Yeah. um i guess getting down to the end of it really like if there is a big thing i could change like how do you solve this like shallow film that's just all about you know retreading the steps of the original but like worse um you know what's weird is despite the fact that i'm certain jurassic world 3 is going to be a flop um i actually think that the concept on paper as far as where it is with like you know the park has failed all, you know, uh, attempts at, like, keeping these creatures in a cage or any sort of enclosures failed. And they're now just freely roaming across, like, the Midwestern U.S. Uh, that's great. I like that a lot. Um, it's like taking the best part of Jurassic Park 2, where the T-Rex is just running around terrorizing Oh, San a Diego. Town and stretching it into a full concept and it's funny because it actually pulls from even though i I still need to sit down and read the original book it's kind of a thing where i'm like i'm scared i'm going to read read the book and it's going to be weird because i like the movie so much but i know a lot about the book and i know at the end of the book you know despite the fact that they end up destroying the island one of the things that they kind of hang on as a little like oh you know maybe there's still hope is that um there's a there's a guy who has a line about how you know in um, you know in like a neighboring island or territory there's been reports of like small creatures moving through the woods like killing livestock and it's like oh some some dinosaurs escaped um and they're still just living out in the wild and they're we we just have to deal with it now and i was like oh that's fun that's a cool idea um and and they kind of do that again you know in um uh the, the other movies suggesting that you know there's some of the dinosaurs just like out there we don't know where they could have escaped their enclosures they could have hopped on a boat who knows um so i, I like that the fact that jurassic world 3 dominion or whatever the heck they're calling it is um they, they introed you know uh sort of the idea with that short film that came out like a year ago where it's the Which, family that camping. was that
1: was written by that was written by the woman who's going to do the black hole
3: oh all right, there you go um and i thought the short film was okay as like a concept i was like fun you know there's you know there's just dinosaurs living amongst people now cool you know that's very different um but i like the fact that that concept is like so close to like bringing back the idea of dinosaurs are a part of nature and nature is a beautiful thing that is dangerous and you can't control it but it's it's amazing and beautiful and awesome and we should respect it it's like coming so close to touching that again and that's like the thing that Jurassic Park is about. And I know that they're going to miss it. I'm certain it's going to suck. But if, if I feel like if I had that idea, like if, if I was in control of this project and they're like, okay, we need to make a Jurassic Park movie where there's dinosaurs out in real nature now, I'd be like, great, I'm hyped. Like I would love to make something out of that. That sounds wonderful. Bring Dr. Grant back. Sure. Fine. Like I'm sure that that's the perfect, like he's the guy who reiterates that point throughout the whole first movie. He's the whole reason that that's the theme of the movie. Like I'd love to, I'd love it if that was, you know, the way that Jurassic World was started, you know, like maybe Jurassic World in my perfect version in my mind, like starts out the same as the regular movie does with just like a new park, some new, you know, person purchased engine and they just made a new park. But in like the first 30 minutes, the park fails and, the, and the, you know it, it, it like literally only lasts like the tiniest little smidgen of the start of the movie you think this is the movie not nah, gotcha dinosaurs are out now fast forward like six months you know now you've got park rangers like attempting to hunt down the dinosaurs in the wild and they call back dr grant the dinosaur expert like <laughs> and then it can reiterate on those themes in a fun new way and can hit you know some new territory that the movies have never gotten the chance to explore minus the end of jurassic park two um Maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe that would be great. Maybe it would suck. I guess we're gonna see a version of it with Jurassic World three, but um, yeah. yeah, I just want the heart back. I hate that it's the cynical corporate thing now. <laughs>
0: Understandable.
3: Which I, I got you three got, last
1: things on it. You have to market it to China.
2: Tell about China.
1: It. I listen. I was actually so excited for that movie, The Meg. Like
2: good movies. I, I was. I was.
1: Dude, Miles, I was so excited for the Meg. I was just like, this is going to be so much fucking fun. It's going to be the dumbest shit (laughs) I ever saw. And when I watched it, this is bored dude it is just chinese like, I was like i mean yeah it's just chinese it's just propaganda.
2: is it really just chinese propaganda? <laughs> yes. oh my God. yeah yeah i, like I just pretty love pretty hardcore like, at the end <laughs> china has like a space station underwater and they're like oh yes <laughs> the chinese underwater space station like dumb americans don't know how to access meldodon trench water like <laughs> <laughs> like the finale so i'm gonna like pass
0: a, on that movie then I think.
1: yeah oh but... no i think you should watch it as just like a i don't know like for science
0: only if it didn't contribute money to china that's the only way though
1: it 100 did <laughs> it
0: did no i mean i don't want to contribute money. no oh, no yeah so pirate, I, I pirate, pirate yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the, I
1: mean, the I do not, I do not like condone a... pirating.
0: Yeah, we don't condone piracy on this uh,
1: show. Yeah. Especially as Disney as, films. As continue
0: to pirate this movie.
1: Especially Disney films. Yeah, Mickey, Mickey please. <laughs> Mickey, please.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> You've yeah, yeah. done your last.
1: Goofy, no.
3: Oh, my God. <laughs> the last bit of the leg, like takes place in a Chinese bay. And they had, like, okay. all the extras are Chinese. And I was like, oh. This is a... It's like a... Didn't that happen with, like, Transformers 4? yeah are like they, yes the whole show they literally go to china, china. and then china. they're like
0: greatest warriors go now
1: be yeah, free and the dino
0: bots literally run into the wilds of china and you're like wait what the fuck is happening right <laughs> yeah, now that happens basically all right
1: anyway, we need oh to stop God. talking shit about china
0: yeah they're gonna come for us yeah. and- <laughs> i'll be i'll be ready though don't worry uh ty i had three little points uh to finish off for yours. Sure. uh one uh the books definitely Uh, Just to clarify for you for the books, uh, I will say Jurassic Park 1, 3, and Jurassic World each take certain aspects of the first book and all take pieces of it. So really the first movie is just like a a portion of the uh, book, whereas the second movie is supposed to be like the second book, but somehow they just missed the whole point of it and just screwed it up. It honestly would have been really cool because it has like uh competing businesses and they're there and they're just actually evil and shit it's not like some dude going i'm taking this to the san diego zoo it's like completely different yeah uh it, oh god and there's invisible dinosaurs uh that i won't talk about but <laughs> what the heck yeah it's really cool uh the other is at least the the one thing i could say the Jurassic world did good was it gave us two great other outlets one was uh The Lego Movie 2, we got Rex Danger (laughs) Vest, and we also got an entire ship's worth of raptors, so that was cool. Uh, The other was uh, Fallen Kingdom. I had so much fun in the theater watching that. Oh, no. Because of...
2: Literal pantomime.
0: (laughs) It was so stupid. I was laughing so, like... I kid you, Miles knows this part. He knows this part. The best part of that movie, the absolute best part of that movie is when uh the after the auction the hunter guy's like where's my bonus and he sees the Raptor in the cage he climbs in because he thinks he's asleep and the raptor winks at, the, at freaking... the audience winks at the audience and goes hey kids want to see something cool i've seen that
3: part <laughs> I, I refuse to watch the rest of that movie but um <laughs> I've, I've watched like a synopsis and I've seen that freaking scene where it legit looks at the camera and winks at the audience. What the
1: heck? <laughs> that movie is that movie is so the, embarrassing. The so thing
2: I loved about watching that movie though is like I just love how Bermudians have like the most honest, like face value mainstream reactions. Like it's like watching like of a, a wrestling audience. But like, yeah, people like when that was happening. I swear, like, I started laughing because people in the theater were watching this like Looney Tunes. Like, they were like, "Whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, oh. whoa!" Like, <laughs> like, and, like and it would close his eyes. People are like, "Whoa, oh, he did it again!" <laughs> <laughs> so like, I started squawking, and they're like, whoa. eats it!" And I'm like, "Like, dude, in in some ways, I was, I was, I was vexed at, like the Jurassic Park brand." is is this low like they're at the bottom of the barrel now they like really they are. don't care <laughs> yeah they don't care oh, at the gosh. same time i was like honestly a like when a movie is so bad it goes from like boredom to like cringe to just like embarrassing to just like outright like hilarious just on like bad like bad shit like when um they reveal the high tech weapon system is just the AR15 with a laser pointer on it <laughs> 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 like, like, like what and then, like you, you basically have to shoot somebody to like sick the dinosaur on them so oh, like nice weapon system guys <laughs> and then, yeah you know, why not? yeah oh was- my
1: god i didn't even think about that yep you know just like yeah in order for them, yeah what the f- That's my, my last point
2: on like how much i love the dumbness in this movie is the dinosaurs go up on auction right and i'm like holy shit like a dinosaur like i was thinking to myself like nah i got like, how Much is a dinosaur worth. They're like, you know, sort of big. You cut a little deal, we got like 10 grand. And I was like, what?
3: <laughs> I could afford a you, dinosaur. Of
2: these things on the cheap, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you might have opened up an eBay post, let alone the like underground mansion, dude. Like it costs more to drive there than to buy a dinosaur. <laughs> dinosaur
0: is four months of rent. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> oh my god, that's oh, fantastic. Man. One thing I want them to have for Dominion. This is the one ask I have. I don't care how this movie ends up. I mean, I do. But the one thing I just want is if they're in the wild, they're in they're in civilization now. I want the guy in the suburbs to leave his loving house, his wife and kid, and he's like, "All right, honey, I'm off to work." Walks out. The minute he walks out, dinosaur just <laughs> just him. immediately on his way to work just gets attacked by a dinosaur. And it's like where's Where's Tim? That's like, oh, he uh, dinosaur yeah, got on the it. way to work. All right, you're promoted, and it's I, just like, you know, what I want is like uh,
3: some of the coolest parts of Jurassic Park 3 are when they're um, walking around the abandoned engine facilities. Oh, that's fantastic, like, yeah, it's cool. You want, I, I want, I want the last of us with dinosaurs. um because that's what it is like it feels like the environment design of like the last of us but they're walking around there's a freaking spinosaurus out there somewhere that's cool you. Um, eat you. and the, again that's like i don't know that'd be so interesting to see that with more like urban environments in um in jurassic world 3 but i don't think they're gonna freaking do it they're gonna film things no, that, on the yeah. cheap they're not gonna work too hard if they can help it it's gonna, the just three stars they're the gonna woods. just think on that
0: alone to get people in oh yeah yeah
3: they, they're gonna <laughs> film know. in the woods where they don't have to pay to film
2: like <laughs> dude they, they had that that kind of interesting short film no yeah, like the, yeah the, the... fine is that what we're talking about
0: yeah 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 yeah. we, we talked about that earlier yeah we, oh, they also okay, have okay. a now they have an, a netflix animated show called camp cretaceous it's cretaceous oh, right boy. it's cretaceous yes Alright, I got it All right. Alright. I said it wrong earlier. I won't talk about that. But uh, <laughs> it, it was it was actually interesting. It was like it's a kid's show, but they still it's like takes place during the same time as Jurassic World in conjunction with it. Like you even got dudes that get killed in it, but it's off screen, so it's off screen deaths, but it's still like an animated kid's show. But I'm like, oh okay. And it was actually, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Like it's like it's it could be worse. It's still you could you tell you could tell it's for kids, so I give it some like um I give it some passes but I'm like oh this is actually it, it feels more put together than the newest movies <laughs> <laughs> which is really sad. Uh, yeah. Okay. But all right, all right guys, final yeah, yeah, one okay. and this let's, one's mine really and it is not just one, one but three it, this is a trilogy which is the hobbits. <laughs> oh boy. So uh just for some quick uh quick background here for my own oh, history. Oh, I'm a very Lord of the Rings is what I consider the best trilogy. Uh, in the history of film for me personally. I really think this is the just most consistent best trilogy I've ever seen in my entire life. And that's after seeing everything from the original Star Wars trilogy, Indiana Jones, Dark Knight, all that kind of stuff. But uh, Lord of the Rings really did everything great for me. And even uh, I had two friends uh, that I loved watching it with. And when these Hobbit movies came out, I would go with both of them and uh, one her and I we would go we actually met like Sean Astin and Alan Lee the illustrator the original Lord of the Rings uh, books uh, we got to meet them in person it was really awesome and then the other one she uh, she had a great great infatuation with Gollum but uh, it was it was funny but uh, the three of us went and watched each of these Hobbit movies at midnight on the midnight releases each time and I guess because we were with each other we enjoyed it to an extent but like uh, watching it throughout and like seeing the trilogy as a whole, I was like, why are there three movies? And I'm like, Lord of the Rings is three movies. Lord of the Rings is based on three books, which make one really, really, really big book. But The Hobbit is based off of a small book that's actually smaller than any of those three books individually. And this one small book spawned three movies out of it, which uh, for the film history itself, like this was originally supposed to be two movies directed by Guillermo del Toro, and the production was so I guess stressful on him, or there was maybe a lot of um pressure from Warner Brothers. I'm assuming maybe or Newland. I think it was Warner Brothers and Newland Cinema. Oh yeah, to. they
1: muscled his ass out. It was yeah, so, so he
0: was like, "All right, I'm gone," and they brought in Peter Jackson because they're like, "Hey, he did Lord of the Rings, and it was great," and he's like they're like you can make magic again and he's like oh, okay and they're like you have this much time and he's like wait what and then they go we will actually also want it to be three movies and he's like wait what i still and so remember you have peter jack <laughs> when they yeah. when
3: they had the his video vlogs when he was working on like early production um he uploaded them to youtube uh and i watched all of them i still remember when he was like yeah for you know, part one and part two, like he referred to them as two parts for a long yeah. time, and then it was like, and all of a sudden he said part three, and I was
0: like, what? Huh? <laughs> Since when? You know, it was originally titled. So uh, the three Hobbit movies are titled An uh, Unexpected Journey, The Desolation of Smaug, and The Battle of Five Armies. Originally, it was uh, the first one was still An Unexpected Journey. The second movie was called There and Back Again,
3: which would have been perfectly fine.
0: Yeah, it was, it made so much sense. And like, I I hold no, I hold zero blame with Peter Jackson on this because he was handed literally no time. And all of a sudden, like basically two and a half movies to do this for, because Peter Jack, uh, Peter Jackson had to take over midway through the first Hobbit movie. So uh, there was a lot, if you watch all three, there is a substantial difference between the first one and the second two because of the tone Guillermo del Toro had and then the differentiating tone that Peter Jackson had afterwards. Not to mention, you also have Weta working on it, which is great, but unfortunately, whereas like Lord of the Rings, you have Weta doing a lot of the practical effects and costume design and a lot of physical production. Uh, there was no time for that either for this, so it's a lot of the Weta digital. And you can do, you know, they, they do a good job, but there's only so much you could do digitally versus like the actual physical power that the first like trilogy had and like the the real like not necessarily the realism but the the down to earth feeling it had for a fantasy movie if that makes sense well like
3: good example um just talking about like down to earth like some things that i noticed today watching um the first two lord of the rings films the extended editions is like something that i thought was just beautiful and makes them so much more timeless is like they very often for um big sets rather than doing like digital set extensions it would be like uh like a, a practical set with actors on it and then like matted together with like a miniature set um so that like you don't have any like you know computer generated elements in some shots it's like all practical just at different scales uh, a bit like how they did you know uh, titanic um yeah it's like the camera matched uh like miniature ship with like you know they'll put like live action actors on it um even though the ship is like you know one 18th scale or something um yeah like a lot of that stuff uh also like lots of little scenes of like just random background people like going through like the struggles of daily life like while the events around them like play out um especially in the second one it's like, all these incredibly sad scenes of villagers, like, saying goodbye to their children and, like, you know, preparing to, like, die in their homes as, like, the orcs invade and stuff. There's, like, none of that in, in The
0: outfit. They just don't ground it at all. Like Instead, you have uh, the, the mayor of, uh, like, town and uh, Alfred, like, ah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, like, we...
3: <laughs> mean characters. Like, what in the world? Like, oh, my gosh. Uh,
0: so, here's where we get into this. So, we have three movies. My first thing here, and I will say this right in the beginning, if I could change one thing, it would be the amount of movies that we have here. I would definitely bring it back down to two. I think we could, I I think I would still want it to be two. I think one, maybe you could, but I, I do think there's a lot there that you could really explore in depth with and have a good like ending point for the first one that picks up where the second, like with the second one and get everything done. But, uh, so I would start with this, guys. I would want to cut a bunch of things out. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll all agree with me very easily. The first thing I would cut out, the very first thing, would be that atrocious, god awful, disgusting elf dwarf love story that they had uh... in it <laughs> between Tariel and I think it was uh, Keeley or Feely. It was one of the two. <laughs> oh my gosh. That and was Legolas absolutely. Is in there as well. Like, I can't believe. Which. Ugh. i can't believe the, I, I could him. i could get why they put legolas in considering he is thranduil's son in all of it but he's also not in the book whatsoever it's just one of those things that like the
3: the in-universe justification is it's passable but it's like so paper thin that this was clearly just to get butts in seats for people who really like legolas like it's there's no other reason that they did it other than that it is he doesn't add anything to the
0: story oh yeah you, there's literally a fan edit that erases him like he's that useless in desolation as smaug i think the whole time like they show him on the screen i'm like this like ah, ha, 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 it's lightless yeah and then they finish and i'm like hey, wait a minute what did do? like why <laughs> yeah, it's like if you, you got me you bastards you did it you, you just tricked me through lando bloom how did you know my kryptonite but well,
3: also in like a, a similar vein you know uh they have like the at Rivendell, there's the White Council where they throw in Saruman and Galadriel, who, like, again, were not present in the book. They threw them in just to be like, ah, it's original actors, you know, see them for five minutes. Um, Radagast was like, he, he's not, a, he, he's a, a character that's only present in The Hobbit, but like, that was another example of like, we need a funny guy. We need to get butts in seats. We need a funny character for kids to laugh at. I got rabbits. And yeah, and it's like, let's make Radagast like an expanded character because he's a footnote in the original story. Like Gandalf... Let's
1: throw bird shit on him. Yeah,
3: let's make him constantly covered in poop. Like, what the heck? (laughs) Literally like, I think in the original book, because I read it as a kid with my mom and it was like my introduction to the Lord of the Rings universe. Um, Like he's like, he literally gets mentioned. Like when Gandalf like lists off like all the like you know wizards of the world there's only like five of them and he mentions radicals and he mentions like having a conversation with him and that's it like i don't think he's ever even like present like in the story he's just there as like a quick footnote and gandalf says that he'd met him for like a meeting and that's it and he's not there so that was like a thing there's so much fan service whether it's like making things funnier than they should have been or putting
0: characters in there that were not there yeah so Eliminating that whole relationship, you'd of course still have, uh, like I said, I think it was Keeley, but I'd still have Keeley in there. Of course, he's one of the 13 dwarves. You know, he's important to the story. Tario. I'm sorry, Evangeline Lily. You can stay as Wasp, (laughs) but we have to get rid of you as this elf that was less like, oh look, attractive elf. And it's like, excellent. She's gotta go. You can leave Legolas in or out, honestly it wouldn't make a difference. Like, you could literally just have him in during battle shit in well, five he, he armies can, and be like, he hey, look, it's Legolas. Like he can be there. Yeah, he, he... could be there, but he has no... There's no other... He doesn't add There's nothing film. else. You, yeah, you don't need anything else with him. The other big thing that wasn't... It wasn't bad. It was actually really awesome, but it doesn't belong there. Was uh, This is actually from... If you ever read the books, uh, The Return of the King. The back has an appendices, and it has all of... Or the appendices. appendices and it's got... Uh, all of the different lore of stuff, like things that happen after, before. The big thing is Dolguldor, and it's the whole thing with Saruman being the necromancer, and like how the White Council goes and fights him. And when they beat him, that's when he goes back to Mordor and starts rebuilding. And that's when Lord of the Rings like gets going and whatnot. But that whole thing is not in the hobbit at all it's not in the books it's not mentioned that's why yeah it's weird to have saruman and galadriel so you have to i was
3: like gandalf kind of disappears from the plot for a bit and i don't know where he went and then he just sort of comes back which i guess that's a fine explanation in the movie to make sure they include that but it's also like it doesn't really matter like
0: yeah it's weird yeah because the whole thing is like oh gandalf's a mysterious wizard in this and then they or like, what if we gave an explanation and we made it an entirely thing that could be its own? Like that That whole arc is, it could be its own standalone movie. You could make an awesome movie just on Dol Galdor, and I would have like died in my seat watching that. I would have been like, this is amazing. But they shoehorned it into The Hobbit. It's highly unnecessary and it also stretches. Uh, I don't, was it, it wasn't really in Unexpected Journey either. It was like pretty much just, uh i think the desolation second and
3: one yeah battle
0: of five armies yeah because yeah. you get rid of that whole area and now that's an entire arc of stuff so now if gandalf isn't with the dwarves he's not in it and that's it you just have less you have less yeah. gandalf you have less Ian McKellen. but it builds more mystery yeah some people might be like well we're wizzing it's like he's a wizard he does his wizard shit like shut up just watch the movie <laughs> but like uh you could eliminate that uh and with the less less elves and whatnot, the uh, Battle of the Five army. Armies was awesome, but it doesn't also need to necessarily be as long. I'm not saying I don't want it, especially just because I think that was my biggest gripe with the book was uh you you read the book and the battle is completely absent. Like the battle starts oh, yeah. and Bilbo's like, oh boy, and he gets knocked out and then he wakes up in the like the it, continues where he wakes up and it's like, oh the battle's you, over and like what's, half the dwarves are dead. Sorry. It's literally
3: like a footnote in Lord of the Rings history. Yeah. Which is crazy because I forgot. I remember when I heard the third movie was going to be Battle of the Five Armies. I had to like look it up because I'd forgotten that happened in the book. And it's like, yeah, Bilbo glazes through that pretty quick. It's like a single
0: chapter. Um even in the uh, animated film I think they have yeah. the actual battle. It's like literally the book is the only place it doesn't. So I would just say make it a little bit shorter because you don't need Easily, you the the way it becomes shorter is you just take out that whole um, what was his name Borg. Uh, that remember that secondary orc that basically Legolas fights and like he kills the two dwarves and Which stuff. Which one, the white orc? No, the he was like the secondary orc that. Uh, I don't know he's, that guy. Yeah, the one with the... No, 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 that was Azog the Defiler. Uh, Azog's still in it. They it added is,
1: so many goddamn yeah, characters it, to this trilogy for no yeah, reason. Yeah, so you
0: just... With all these less characters, basically that whole fight scene is like this uh, secondary orc that kills the two younger dwarves, and then he fights Tariel, and then she also loses, and Legolas is the one to beat him, and you're like, that was cool, because I got to watch Legolas fight a guy. It was like a mini-boss fight. It's
3: also like, you know what's horrible is the dwarves that he kills in that, like this whole thing feels like it's just stepping all over uh you know tolkien's grave because it's just like what for one this whole there's so many elements of this that they just ripped out of like other portions of like the the lord of the rings universe like from different points in time to like make them happen during the five armies battle the other thing is that like in the book i remember that the the dwarves from the party who died like they, they die in, like, a valiant way. Like, they charge into battle knowing that they're going to die. And they, like, you know, have a valiant, you know, death in battle. And then this, it's like, oh, they got murked by this guy just so Legolas could look cool. <laughs> like, yeah, what a joke. <laughs>
0: like ugh. And uh, you just eliminate all that. You eliminate uh, a little bit more of the human side of the fight. Like, you get rid of Alfred entirely. You just get rid of Alfred and all of his antics of like dressing up as a woman and being like let's get out of here in the window like let's fight with our men it's like what the what is this is this from the same lord of the rings world? dude you know what's crazy is like again literally
3: having watched helms deep hours ago like the seriousness even when it gets funny even the funniest parts of that and, and, and like the battle with the ints like all that has like little minor moments of comic relief but they never like they never wink at the camera like they never acknowledge that they're being funny they just try to you know they just let it play you know meanwhile freaking over in battle of the five armies like you know they've got characters saying like you know look, like turning and facing an enemy army or like a new big scary threat and being like oh what the like you know they have like a reaction <laughs> shot and i'm just like this is the stupid is this lord of the rings universe are you serious this is the same world like i can't believe this like i yeah i i, I like, it's fine doing goofy stuff like, uh you know, Gimli and Legolas, like, counting kills and all that. Like, that's funny. But everything that's happening around them is still, like, dead serious. They never, you know, they never acknowledge that. But, uh, yeah, the, the Battle of the Five Armies, the entire thing is nothing but, like, constant winks at the camera. And I freaking hate it.
0: Yeah. So what I think... Okay, so th- this might be... I'm not sure, but I think aside from any kind of things that le- just in Unexpected Journey, cut out the small Radagast areas that might incorporate the Desolation of Smout, the, the uh, Dolgaldur stuff, anything that hints at that, get rid of that. So like the stuff with Saruman and Galadriel, uh, get rid of those and just keep that out. So now it's a little bit shorter. I think that could be left alone for the most part besides that. And then now with basically, All of that unnecessary stuff in Desolation and Battle of Five Armies, split in half. You could take those two halves and put them together into one movie. So uh, with Desolation, you would have them uh, go through with the elves, deal with them. And it would be a lot faster because now the jail time's shorter because you're not having as much bullshit time with Randall, there's no weird Tariel talking to dwarves in their cells being like, my mom gave me this rock and I love you, I just met you. Uh, You wouldn't have any of that stuff. You would probably have a shorter time in Lake Town because there's no weird, like, antics going around there. So you get the elves, barrels, and whatever. You get the humans in Lake Town, and then you get to the mountain. You get to Smaug. You fight Smaug. Smaug goes and Bard kills him. He's dead. And then what you could also uh, cut
3: is the comical amount of time spent inside the mountain doing that Scooby-Doo chase scene with Smaug where they're like setting up like lava traps and stuff like oh yeah you could definitely yeah literally
0: it could just be that they woke him up and they have to hide from him so he just goes like fuck it and he just goes straight to the town yeah
3: literally he just they they toy with him so long he gets pissed off and he's like oh i'm just gonna go burn the town see it's your guy's fault you may be mad like that's yeah that's how it plays out
0: and then they just pretty much now the battle of five armies you ignore all the extra shit and you just have them get to the place they are like oh cool this is our place again and then everyone elves and humans are like fuck you and then they're like fuck you and then goblins and orcs come and they fight you know, and then bilbo comes back and at the end
3: something i just thought of um y- you could even if you really wanted to like completely like just sort of append and like shorten the uh the ending with the battle of the five armies because you know lord of the rings the films already like cut off a massive chunk of the books ending where they return to the shire and fight saruman oh yeah Um, that's completely just cut from the films because they they realized you know probably pretty smart to like just cut it because it kind of you know ruins what would be already a nice like gradual ending um you you know you're adding a second climax after you've already beat the main villain so like what's the point Um, You know, and it's funny that The Hobbit has the exact same thing happen where you've defeated the main villain and, uh oh, here comes more mini villains for like a weird sort of finale. Like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be more excited about killing Smaug or this battle. Um, They could have literally just like completely said, you know what, we'll do the same thing we did with Lord of the Rings. Screw this like extended ending. Uh, You know, the ending's long enough as it is. Let's just have it, you know, kind of be told through, you know, Bilbo's monologue like the opening is. You know, he can give like a quick history of what happened to Thorin and the others like after, you know, or we can just cut it entirely. Like, you know, it's a shame. I know people would be upset they've changed, you know, another part of the story for the sake of a film. But it's film like you're supposed to make it easier for the audience to digest it you know it's different than a book like you can cut
0: stuff it's okay like and instead they've added 50 (laughs) things (laughs) i think i think for me i would still have the battle in there like i said it would just be a lot shorter like just having eliminated a lot less characters there'd be at least less weird intimate fights that take too long um having it more into like yeah the sacrificial charge that they would do does make a lot more sense and having less of the human stuff, less of the elf and dwarf stuff all together and that type of thing would just make it a lot more, um, I don't know, what would you call it? Uh, it's not, It's stum- basically stomachable, but, uh, just having it weird, like that good cutoff of, Hey, they got away from the orcs in the end of the first movie and, uh, they're getting to the dragon. And then the first half of the second movie is the dragon and the second half is the orcs being like hey we caught up with you and also we brought some friends and then it's like oh shit and then it's over If they really want they to back. they
3: could even do like again i'd forgotten about this until today i'd forgotten that helms deep and the battle with the Ents at isengard are like happening simultaneously in the two yeah. towers it cuts back and forth like the whole thing is intertwined and um you could easily like again if you really wanted to like do the five armies battle. What what better way to up the stakes than make like the battle happen outside of Lake Town while Lake Town is burning? Like, and you're just cutting back and forth. Like,
0: that would be I don't know because they already do they already do the cut back and forth with the uh because the, they cut back and forth between Smaug and the uh, Dolgordor saron that's stuff true too. again it, that it's granted like that's why cuz i think <laughs> i think that's why it works the hobbit works better cuz whereas lord of the rings works great with having three different simultaneous storylines occurring at the same time from like the second and third movie but for uh the hobbit it doesn't gain that strength instead it works so much better as a much more concise like single uh, yeah. perspective of like hey this is bilbo and the dwarves and stuff and it's usually just bilbo and if the characters are there with bilbo they're there if they're not they're not that's true but that's this the is whole bilbo's reason story. where
3: there's like in the book it's like where did gandalf go it's like well bilbo wasn't there he doesn't know he
0: yeah it's, it's, it a it's a mystery
3: journal you're, this isn't like this isn't like lord of the rings where we're having like this omniscient you know narrator in in the hobbit you're reading bilbo's journal that's it like whatever yeah he and saw, it, you it's saw. like the
0: whole thing And it's the whole thing, too, of like when you get to then it makes even better for like when you get to Lord of the Rings. It's like he gets to Frodo and it's like, oh, here's this wizard that was like with uh, Frodo all the time. And then he disappears because he's everyone's like, oh, God, he's dead. And then he comes back and he's like, hey, I've come back to you. And then he leaves again, comes back with an army and saves everyone at Helm's Deep. So it's like there's still that. Mystery because he just leaves and you're like, where did he go? And they don't they don't go and show what happens. It's just like, it's fine. hey, I brought Aomir back and stuff. And it's like a wizard's work is never done. I'm always <laughs> doing stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, so it's like
3: that's kind of his whole idea. There's nothing wrong with you. Don't have to see everything. It's better that you don't. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> leads
2: a little to the imagination. No, I'm not that big into To Lord of the Rings. Like I, I like it. I like it the movies. I love the books. I think Tolkien's like the best fantasy writer, um, even ahead of Gene Wolf. But but like when I watched The Hobbits, like those movies were like so so random in how they were like made they seemed very directionless. Uh for for a book that's only one book. And I feel like they didn't really even have to make a, a trilogy. And then they went for like the grand epic scope, despite the Hobbit I feel like being one of the more intimate stories. Yeah. In contrast to Lord of the Rings, um two two things that really struck out to me. One was the the scene. I don't remember which movie it is where they were in the barrels. That's gotta be that's Yeah, that's the second one. GoPro. Uh, Yeah, I was laughing really hard at that. That was really funny. I was crying like I couldn't believe that like it had gone like that. Looney Tunes like that was yeah.
3: B- Bofor or whatever. Where like the Bob Oh, that was bomber tie. How oh dare you! Gosh. The yeah. fat one is bomber like, was fantastic. You
0: leave bomber out. Like, of yeah, he's
3: rolling and like crushing dudes. It's like what the yeah. heck is
2: happening? Like- <laughs> he got like the, the hammer Smash Bros power up. <laughs> so just guys. Um, the, the other one too was you know when when Shelob showed up in the first Lord of the Rings. You know you know that that was like a seat gripper. I was kind of like oh boy like. You know, this, this is such a scary part of the movie. But surprisingly, when I read the art book, they were like, we wanted this movie, this part to be very intense. However, we didn't want arachnophobes to close their eyes. So they actually designed Shelob not really to be a spider, but to be like a monster. So th- that's why I was like, it's so weird. I couldn't watch Harry Potter. That was too scary for me to watch. I closed my eyes. But I could watch the Shelob scene, and and I was, it's precisely because they, they didn't make Shelob look like a spider, which is very clever art. That's direction. right. Like Shelob's mouth um, is like
3: very monster-like. It's not like a spider. Yeah, mouth exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah it, it's not. And and her eyes, if you notice, her eyes aren't like a spider's at all. They're like a, a face almost. She almost looks like a like a ogre more than a, a spider. It's like an ogre on a on a spider's body. Yeah, it's got like
3: just enough um, differences.
2: So when I when I saw the spiders get hinted at in the first movie, you know, everyone's kind of looking over to me like, "Ooh, Miles, I don't know if you want to watch the next one. Like, this is going to get a little scary. So I was like, all right, dude, I'm not a big chicken. Like the second one, let's have it. Right. So the movie starts, you know, get to the spider force and the spider goes like like they have a, actually a pretty cool lead up. I thought it was awesome when they hit the the. Spider web and it's like piano wire and like you see it kind of echo yeah. to where the spiders are and I was kind of like ooh like can I watch it and like everyone's kind of waiting for me to scream the spider comes out and I laugh I was like bro this the worst CGI spider I've seen in time and it was like it, dude it was like a worse design than like you could tell that they they didn't use the same pillars despite them using the same kind of model. Like, it it is like a Shelob-esque spider, which I guess they were like, we have to make it look like Shelob since these are her children. But, like, the face is actually, like, not very frightening at all. Like, Shelob, at least despite it not being a spider face, it's a scary face. These ones, like, they look like Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have like the stupid, like in your face, like blah, scene where they're, like, they're trying to get you with the jump scare. And it's like, it's like when you're in the haunted house and you're like, bro, your breath stinks. Like you're not scary. Get out of my face. <laughs> like it was just like a, a good, like for something that's so easy, like they didn't even scare the arachnophobes in the audience. I was like, yeah, this one's not for me, guys. I mean, that that was my biggest takeaway from those flicks. And to be honest, I forgot there was three. I thought there were two. I'm like shocked that uh, to, to hear this conversation and kind of process in my head that I had to watched three movies. Yes.
0: That's, uh, that's, yeah, that's the Hobbit trilogy. <laughs> that, that's what it does to you, man. I'll say the one thing that was as hype as the Hobbit trilogy was having the Hobbit menu at Denny's.
1: <laughs> oh, God.
0: And, yeah, those red velvet pancake puppies. Oh, man, oh. This is That was crazy, crazy. I'll tell you, but yeah, like I said, so I guess finishing up because really, it's if I could do the one thing, the one thing is really just deleting a lot of the content there and turning it into two more concise, very um, single viewed movies instead of a very like loose, all over the place, like multiple plot line web type thing that they turn it into for cash.
3: Yeah it's uh also just like i was gonna say other things if i can just like throw in right at the very end as a visual effects artist it it also just hurts me to look at these movies (laughs) that
0: yeah they yeah they don't yeah yeah they don't look Um, they don't look right uh, i think also because it was the first time they were doing like the the change of the frame rate or something for the first one so when Gandalf is walking to bilbo's house it's like the quick up thing i remember watching that and i'm like someone laced my food oh my god (laughs) yeah it makes you
3: sick to your stomach something else they did is they put freaking a uh a light bloom filter on everything like you ever noticed like it, it it's the same effect that is present in lord of the rings on occasion um where you know like every light has like a little like soft glow around it but they put it on everything in uh, especially in Battle of the Five Armies, oh my gosh! Throughout that whole battle, everything looks like a like pre-rendered cutscene for like Lord of the Rings Online or something. Like it just, it looks so fake. It, it's unfortunate because there's a lot of things that could have looked good, but they overuse that filter to the point that it like makes everything look horribly aged. Even like you know yeah. immediately, it it just looked fake. Um, also, just the fact that like. I'm so glad that, like,, um, you know, we the Mandalorian will be its own talk. you know, uh, I know you're you're doing an episode soon on it um, tomorrow living tomorrow, okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, but, like, I love that shows like the Mandalorian are starting to show that like how good, very traditional style practical effects can look um in a modern, you know, context. Um, and it just goes to show that, like, the overuse and over reliance on um you know digital effects it, it I hate to say it like it is the perfect perfect example that the Hobbit just made people lazy like um watching the original trilogy and like seeing how good they got stuff to look without you know uh like like perfectly calculated like PBR like lighting and materials like for, for like non-visual effects, people like pbr physically based rendering um not perhaps not blue not ribbon son of a bitch is, um, fuck whole Heineken. life is a lie perhaps
1: blue red <laughs> yeah.
3: so pbr is like the current industry standard for visual effects and it's like lighting and materials uh digital lighting and materials that are like as close to like real world accurate as possible and it's like a good thing in that you can make things look a lot more real than you used to be able to but it is unfortunate, as many people have pointed out, that like now it is created like it, it's made laziness a lot easier to succumb to. Like you can very easily just rely on the fact that you can just sit and think, well, the lighting is physically correct, and the materials are physically correct. Why should I have to push this any farther than it's gone? Why should I have to work to make this character look more realistic? It, it looks real, right? Well, no, it's like, you know, literally there's so many times where you can pause Battle of the Five Armies, zoom in on people's faces, and they look like PlayStation characters. Like, no exaggeration, it looks like a video game cutscene. And I know that gets overused a lot. People saying, this CG looks like a video game. Like, it, you know, legit looks like a pre-rendered cutscene for, like, a game. The fact that they felt the need to face replace a bunch of people is like, oh my gosh, like, why? Like, it, it just goes to show that they were very aware that, like the CG characters in the background so heavily did not match the characters in the foreground that they had to go back and like replace force foreground characters to make everything match. And it all looked like crap, you know? (laughs) So versus when you watch the opening sequence to, uh, the fellowship of the ring, which is like miniature sets with like composited in like real people and like only, you know, the background characters are CG And it's, like, so well lighting matched that, like, it looks like a just a beautiful landscape with, like, this cool battle scene happening. Like, it's not age of today. It looks great. And it just goes to show, like, how much they sat down and really, really thought, like, okay, we are very limited in what we can do in 2001. Like, you know, uh, how real can we get this? And they thought, well, let's try and make everything as close to practical as possible and we'll only fill in gaps. With CG, when we like absolutely have to, or when there's a character that we like cannot make practically in any way, shape, or form, like you know, the Balrog or the troll or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, we're gonna try and keep it as close to practical as possible, and it looks amazing. And it's just like, oh my gosh, how far, like they've fallen, you know, just being reliant on that kind of stuff. Entire scenes, entire. You know, minutes of film that are like not in any way, shape, or form real, <laughs> like, ugh. And with like characters in it, you know, close to the camera, just CG characters running around, like, it hurts, hurts to watch. Oh, for
0: sure. I, Ty, agree with you. I didn't understand all of the visual terms sorry, there. Sorry, I'm just ranting. Like, now. This stuff makes me. Now mad. you're good. You're good, dude. I understand. Hey, I love that we're both passionate about this trilogy. Enough to be like, you fucked it up. You
3: really goofed up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but that's The Hobbit. And, gentlemen, we've gone through Blade Runner 2049, Mm -hmm. Disney's The Black Hole, Jurassic World, and The Hobbit Trilogy. And we've talked about what we would uh, change for the better for these films, for the sake of humanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think uh, we've done a great job today, you guys. Any final final words on these uh, four picks
1: before uh, we close off yeah I mean just to just to hammer it in there um remakes are not bad even though most remakes are but uh you know some of my favorite movies are remakes like John Carpenter's The Thing or 1978 Invasion of the Body Snatchers David Cronenberg's The Fly you know The Blob 1988 but um it it really only works if you have a film that was that just didn't reach its potential. You know. That's it. Gotcha.
2: Miles, you got anything? Uh, for, for all my takes. Um I like Romans for being like a, a true scenophile. Like that's something I hadn't really considered. Uh I wanna watch it. I actually hadn't, but I did like some research while you were talking about it, and super intriguing everything about it. Dope, dope. Uh, Ty, I really loved your points regarding Jurassic Park. I feel like you said everything I was thinking in my head, and I'm sure our listeners are on the same page as that. And Komron, dude, Lord of the Rings, it like hasn't been my biggest stick, but after I saw The Hobbit. I was kind of happy not to be a Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> like a silver bullet, like, like all the guys who were you know got the head on applied directly to the forehead <laughs> of this movie. Like I didn't have to get that prescription. So like, be out. and regarding Blade Runner twenty forty nine, like, look, guys. I know y'all think it's a good movie. Like, oh no,
1: oh no, I ain't on part of that train. Don't, don't I, it, no,
2: no I'm saying I'm saying just for our listeners, just for our okay. listeners. Yeah. Okay. I know I know it's it's the big hit, it's the big chungus four twenty great movie. <laughs> but, but like just take a frame from the OG Blade Runner and like just look at a frame from twenty forty nine. It's kinda like like, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. like, really really but hey but hey you know different strokes for different folks Ty any
3: last words for you uh I guess with all these there's there's still some hope for the next Jurassic world maybe it'll I don't know maybe it'll meet my expectations I'm feeling that it won't <laughs> so I don't know there's hoping but yeah I think um, we're all in agreement that um, don't remake a good thing just Mm -hmm. it's okay to let things just be (laughs) just be they don't have you know let it die it's okay it's okay to just enjoy something and that's all there is (laughs) you don't don't have to spoon feed me jurassic park every year because i'm gonna i'm just gonna keep watching the first one and i'm never gonna stop enjoying it (laughs) doesn't matter how much more you shove down my throat forcefully and challenge accepted
2: yeah,
3: (laughs) yeah and um I don't know, happy new year guys. <laughs> You're still better movies. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh for me, I think you guys can always have fun watching a movie. It's okay to have fun watching a movie, but also just know it's always okay to think of how a movie could be better than its current status when it comes out. It's okay to think of what improvements could be done to that movie, because that's how you make better movies in the future if given the power to. Mm-hmm. So always keep that in mind and never Keep that to yourself, let others know. So maybe those good ideas will spread and they'll help better the film industry one day and also kick out china goddamn
2: damn they're gonna find the AI algorithm yeah. go, bro. Yeah. we thought you were good guys but right to the rice fields. <laughs> yo, I, no. okay.
3: do not question only consume Camron. <laughs> oh no <laughs> don't you dare you'll be like this one's jewish also awesome.
1: get them twice <laughs> imagine, imagine us doing our podcast
2: in the firing line at the concentration oh, camp. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's,
1: this has be, this has <laughs> actually become the darkest episode. <laughs> in, just, in just five seconds.
2: It's like are we more afraid of Disney dude, or China? Dude, they're gonna what be like have... ready, aim, and then some guy's gonna go, hold up, hold up, hold up, before you say fire. <laughs> What's this guy saying yeah. about Jurassic Park? Like, come on. This <laughs> oh, I never
0: thought I'd die talking about movies side by side with a friend. <laughs> Oh,
3: yeah. Oh, my my god!
0: Uh, But all right, guys. That has been up to it, down to it. The four of us have been friends since our time at SCAD, uh, a college of art, and we have continued this friendship and created this show. But, of course, guys, where can everybody find you? Ty? Uh,
3: You can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, itstitanic, I-T-S-T-Y-T-A-N-I-C. I do art from time to time. And uh, post some of my my work I do for uh, from a job, and uh, I know Roman's dying for me to get an Instagram. Maybe I'll get. Please, that. <laughs> if I can convince. I need to
1: send you garbage. If I
3: can convince the current uh, its Titanic handle owner at Instagram to sell it to me, I will. Uh, oh <laughs> but until
0: then, Twitter only. You can always have your name be like titty titty tie tie no thanks just just anything come
1: on roman where can people find you uh you can find me on instagram at revolver roman and uh yeah i just post movie reviews Uh, i think i know shit so Uh, i haven't posted in a while because i'm lazy but i'm gonna get on it as soon as i uh, find motivation
0: and miles where can
2: you be found all right, guys, find me on Twitter, the Count of S. I'm just, I'm literally popping off right now, arguing with my followers. It's classic. I respond to everybody. <laughs> and, you know, hot takes only 2021, shots not staying in the magazine. Everything's getting fired. Bow, bow.
0: Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at GoGoComZilla. You can also find this show uh, under the channel of Sutra Side Talk which you can follow along on Twitter or Instagram at SutraSideTalk. And, of course, on that channel, you'll find Sutra Side Talk, the weekly show where we talk about games, movies, and TV shows. You have up to it, down to it. This show, of course, where we literally pick any topic. It is literally anything. Like, last time we talked about ghosts and shit, and this time we're talking about, like, movies being better. So <laughs> next time we'll see what happens. But, uh... Uh, I think also it probably won't be as long as it was between October and January. I think we'll be a little bit shorter this time in terms of uh, uh, the difference of episodes there. And of course, uh, we have two new shows, uh, Suture Sidewatch, the uh, movie analysis podcast that's coming in mid-January, and uh, a to-be-determined titled DC show coming on later at the end of the month that will uh, be very much about the DC Extended Universe. But with that said, guys, hope everyone had a great time and we will catch you next time. So long.